If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. Our girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win. Welcome or I'm to the Winners back. Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're here to discuss episode nine of season 41 of Survivor. Who's who in the zoo? Uh, <laughs> by Deshaun at Tribal. I, I remember we talked like post recording about what this title was and how crazy it was. And then I was watching and I was like, I know there was a weird title, but I don't remember it. And then Deshaun finally said it. And I was like, oh yeah, that one. Yeah, I was on the lookout for this the whole time. I pressed the info button on my uh, on my TV to get the episode title. I'm like, I, I didn't even, like, honestly, it didn't even register to me that you said it until I, like, I looked afterwards on Survivor Wiki. So um, <laughs> it was a little disappointing. I thought it would be a little bit more fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so we saw the return of our split tribal Island of the Idol style, like the unmerge, I guess. Mm -hmm. Joe, how did you feel about this? I, I feel like I'm always very in favor of this twist. I think even, even we've seen it in Ghost Island and Island of the Idols before and there it's track records kind of spotty, but it does feel like it allows for some drama and emerge that is maybe stagnant and i feel like as much as they want to tell us that there are cracks in the alliances we see well, there's no cracks <laughs> it's very solid so i'm i welcome this to at least um shock us a little definitely it's a it's a big episode for our our thoughts um yeah. But, but yeah i like this twist um i think i went on a roller coaster this episode where i was like oh those are exciting immunity challenge winners oh but the result is actually not going to be exciting and then it sort of split on how exciting it actually was yeah no so i i think that there's a couple things to dig into there um that i think are are interesting so the first is so we've seen this i, I think it's three times right it's ghost island island of the idols in here yes. in ghost island it's jenna bowman and michael yerger who leave two underdog minority minority tribe members right like two scrappy people who were kind of clinging on uh maybe pulling like a desiree vote before and able to sneak by uh and then they meet their untimely doom at this twist um and uh island of the idols kind of the same situation we have uh i know they were more villainous but for you know intents and purposes they were the underdogs sort of in this spot uh aaron and missy and then now here mm -hmm. we have again two people in the majority or, or in the minority and evie and i guess not really this year but that entire other five was in a lot was in the alliance and we saw last week that that alliance this year was clearly on the bottom and they were wanting to exile him right like danny and deshaun last week talked about wanting to get rid of this year so basically every time we've seen this we have seen a clear move to just vote out you know a, a so but like basically the majority's wishes gets done 
in these tribals really quickly with little resistance. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not, <laughs> it doesn't completely shake up the game. And especially when we look at it from an edgic perspective, um, it's often nothing that really shakes that. Though here, once again, for us, it's a little different. But I think that's more us looking for more interesting alternatives. And for me, at least, this rerouted me to the sort of, oh, this is the tip. This is what we should have expected from this season so far. Right. Yeah, I know. I feel a tremendous amount of guilt for convincing you last week mid-show to switch over. But honestly, watching this episode, it didn't really shock me at all. I... And that being Nasir leaving. Obviously, last week, he's my number one uh, contender. Honestly, I don't really regret that because, if anything, this episode made me more steadfast in my my theory here that we're getting a bad winner. And the thing is, is that I think I'm on the right path and I've perhaps picked the wrong person. Uh, But I really do think that's what we're getting. Uh, And I think very similar to something like Edge of Extinction is almost how I'm viewing this season, where... I think midway through that season, uh, we sort of, I guess to speak for myself, came to the conclusion that um, Edge of Extinction is the complex tribe. And so the winner is either going to be Rick Devins or the person who returns in the second half of, you know, the second uh, um, entrance, uh, whatever, the second return from Edge. Um, mm-hmm. And I, to me, this is not actually any different than that, where I'm like, okay, it's going to be, realistically, I'm probably going to be picking people who I do not think are S-tier cal- caliber players uh, because I think we're getting a robbery at the end. I really do. Um, and I'm going to continue to follow down that path. Uh, so to me, it really wasn't that surprising. I think midway through the episode, I kind of resigned that Nasir was dead. Like, as soon as you heard Nasir go to uh, Heather and be like, sorry, you're going home. It was like, that's Survivor 101, baby. Like, that's Nasir's out of there. And all stakes for me left <laughs> completely. <laughs> I don't know. I was definitely a little more convinced on that, on that sort of part. I thought this could be just sort of this weird tragic demise for Heather where I don't know the votes are just so stacked in her favor and it didn't seem like Shan would ever flip to help those two so it did shock me and then in the bigger scheme of things I think we're now very different and I'm curious to see how sort of different we are because I think I went very much back to oh there's been an obvious front runner and really now for me they're the only person who has any sense of a complete edit i feel like all over the place there's under editing contradiction all sorts of things it is the edit sort of or the show eliminated evie and nasir and it took really away the only two that had um a good edit at this point uh like like, i I guess to clarify what i would take from that like a good edit i mean I think those were the only other two that would have a traditional, you could play a highlight reel of their play from day one. Like, you know, you should, you could show mm-hmm. this year riding on Danny and Deshaun, getting a little bit in trouble, but his providing makes people happy. You could show so much for Evie, right? Wanting to go after uh, the guys because uh, they don't want to have a kind of a cycle of all the women getting voted out, like uh, into like all the moves that they make, choosing to do voce, et cetera, et cetera. Like you could do that for both of them the entire season and make a well-crafted little story, right? Um, I know on Unspoiled Edgic, um, there's a user who posts every single scene somebody's in and Evie's, Nasir's, Shans would all make like a good movie. You know, if you were just going to sit there and watch like a weird segment of of their 
all the content they got. Um, those would be interesting content to watch. Um, but I, I, that said, there's a lot of Survivor winners that would not make a good movie to watch. Um, Natalie White would be uh, like a, a Pixar short, you know, um, <laughs> have a couple a couple cute scenes. Bob would be him building for the most part. Um, so I don't think, I guess that that's my take, right? Is that there's too many Survivor winners where they don't have this journey. There's actually no, there's still a story of why they won. There's a story of why somebody else lost um, that's more prominent. And there's still a story why they won, what they did well, but not necessarily uh, all encompassing winner's journey. Like less Joseph Conrad, more <laughs> Pixar short, you know? I don't know. I think I see even the Pixar short candidates here. There's just too much that it doesn't even add up to a good story. So that I agree with. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm kind of sold on, on one person. And, and I'd, I'd love to be uh, wrong, but I don't think so. And I've learned that being hopeful is often not the right path in magicking. So this is the funny part, because you're saying you you hope you're wrong. And Joe, there is nothing in the entire world I want more than for me to be wrong. Like, <laughs> I do not. Like, I hate those stories. Like, I mm-hmm. hate the Natalie White winning in the end. I hate the Bob story. Like, I feel like those are underdeveloped. I leave the season being like, well, that was a waste of time. Like, that's my reaction. I want Shan to win. Like, if I could be pleased and happy and all the goodness in the world comes, it would be Shan winning unanimously, humming her song at the jury and saying, screw you all, I played you, haha. Like, <laughs> that would be my ideal version of this season. I think it could happen. But mm-hmm. I think it's, it's realistically, I'm with you. It, for me, this is either how Shan wins or, like, for me, I actually think it's more likely how, how she doesn't. Um, but either way... I think that, and obviously I always say this, you know, the odds of saying someone doesn't win is so much higher. So it's, you know, it only there's like a one in what, eight chance right now that you're picking the right person and a seven and eight chance that if you're saying someone doesn't win that you're picking the right person. So um, factoring that in, like to me, the, the, the ultimate question is it's either Shan or a robbery. And to me then I'm looking, so it's Shan or like a total rat floater is basically where I'm going. <laughs> um, and so my contenders list looks a little batshit, but there is intention oh. behind it and we'll get there. For sure. My contenders list is wild. And it's just, I think, I think the way I often look at a season is looking for a contradiction. And so the people who have given me more opportunity to do that are lower. And then you have some underrated people slowly creeping their way up the list. I mean, all eliminated, of course. But yeah, it's wild to see uh, where Heather has landed herself this week. Yeah, no, the, the, um... Heather over under is going to be an interesting game this week for sure. <laughs> um, so I do have a couple quick thoughts uh, on this episode just that are just sort of general. So mm-hmm. first, um, this challenge, I actually liked it. Like this, this was more or less the same challenge from David vs. Goliath, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that yeah, was kind I, of cool. I think it's always brought good moments. I mean, this is probably actually the most boring of the times I remember because this is the same one in San Juan del Sur. Um, that's very exciting. And then, and then, yeah, obviously, 
obviously do versus Goliath is this amazing head-to-head battle. Um, yeah, like this seemed like it was way less hard or something, you know, or maybe it was maybe it was more hard actually. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, because harder challenges, endurance challenges, will make people drop less dramatically. Yeah, so th- that's probably what it is. Um, maybe I was wondering, like I almost wanted to go back to David versus Goliath to see because I know Nasir got called for having his hands like in a different spot. I'm like, I wonder if maybe in the previous seasons that they they had them in a different hand formation so it was mm-hmm. easier because i feel like i remember christian kind of moving his hands around but could be wrong yeah yeah that was definitely very curious especially all this talk about him not being able to feel his right hand i was like oh is there some weird like medevac to happen and then he just gets mm-hmm. voted out <laughs> yeah maybe he was gonna get medevac it was a, it was a story of fate um <laughs> Um, yeah, so, like, I thought that was kind of fun. I thought there were fun moments in this episode. Like, uh, I do like that they were wrestling. Like, instead of the recap, they're doing more, like, wrestle with the um, fallout of Tribal right after every week. I actually mm-hmm. really like that touch because sometimes you do like this crazy thing happens at tribal and then the next week it's just like and the sun's out and we're fishing and you're like what <laughs> there's all this yeah. drama last week yeah that was nice to see some some different perspectives especially with now looking at how the the heather live tribal sort of went down like apparently they just didn't go with the heather vote at the end and we didn't see that so uh yeah seeing some of that fallout definitely helped to put things in perspective Right. No, totally. And I also think we saw this interesting event, right? We saw kind of the story of the double vote and how it can intertwine into uh, survivor strategy. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's been confirmed that these things do hold on in the revote. And so there's two little forks here I want to discuss. And one is watching the show, I was floored that Xander did not play his double vote i've seen a lot of discussion on whether he should have idled or not no way in hell should he have idled here like i'm sorry if that's your case like and, and then you're also complaining on the internet about big move itis or something like mm-hmm. like that would be a big move for absolutely no purpose like getting out liana it would not be that important to use an idol when you're a big threat guy that will get voted out when he's not immune Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree and i think the show did do enough to set that up where there's enough strife between him and evie that it didn't make sense for him to use the idol however yeah the extra vote is weird because if you weren't a fan you'd forget about it at this point like uh and he should have played it um yeah, the, basically the machinations of if he plays it. So if he plays it on Liana, so it's then it goes into a 3-3 tie, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, Liana and Evie cannot vote. It would be Xander, Danny, and Deshaun voting. But Xander gets to vote twice. So what happens here is if Danny and Deshaun vote Evie and Xander votes Liana, it is a rock draw only between Danny and Deshaun. Hmm. If not, it, so basically what Xander can do and what he should have done is be able to vote um, Liana and then basically out loud say, hey, Danny and Deshaun, you're either voting Liana or one of you two is drawing a 50-50 rock and going home. Xander could have picked who went home tonight. And for somebody who honestly, I think we've given a ton of credit for being very clever. I think Xander is wicked smart in general. We've seen him come up with clever strategies with the like deception of the fake idol and all that kind of thing. I'm actually kind of shocked he didn't do this. Like that seems right up his alley as something that would come to his head. Um, I, I was shocked it didn't like it didn't even get discussed. Like he was never there's no like the impetus on that tribal was will Deshaun flip? 
right? Or will mm-hmm. Xander idle? That was kind of the the question. The extra vote wasn't even mentioned, and it would have literally shifted the the result of the of the vote. Yeah, very curious what's going on there because I think the suggestion is also that Xander would have gone had he not been safe. Yeah, and so I I don't know what his his game there is. If we've seen him be very brave with his advantages already, like he has <laughs> not played that idle so many times, and I don't think I could have done that. So maybe he has some elaborate plan for it later i mean that would have been pretty like imagine you're able to get deshaun out here like he has three he's got four people loyal to him in this group and of five and you're able to get deshaun out because you he draws a rock like that would be like and like i hate these all these advantages but like that would be like freaking epic like i would actually be on the side of that just from a tv perspective almost like that would be him actually outsmarting them and they know he has it and everything like that like that would be that would be a fun moment i think and would be like brutal like unreal level um outplay with with an advantage which is kind of what you want right like you want these things to be able to actually do something where most of the time the extra votes do nothing and they're just a waste of tv time Mm -hmm. i think i think if i think about it in giving Xander the most credit, which I think is probably the truth, is he's thinking very long-term with all of his advantages. Like, if he can survive this vote without using anything, then he can definitely survive that next one, whether he wins immunity or idols himself. And then he's down at six or with a double vote and there's a lot of maneuverability there. So so maybe he is thinking more long term. I think he's also waiting for this alliance to potentially crack. Although don't think that's happening, but who knows what we can see on the beach. So, so yeah, I think it is a good move in the short term, but I think there's also yeah, something like that might uh, like if Deshaun leaves in a rock draw, you might just be like toast but i mean he's probably toast anyway you know like yeah he's at least like golden bread you know (laughs) (laughs) slightly a warmed bread uh not doing that well that way um but yeah no i I think that's an interesting like curious why maybe he just didn't think of it and that's totally fine um (laughs) the other thing is yeah like you mentioned this earlier but to me it's so increasingly clear that is Deshaun is just amazing, right? He got... Because it seemed like Evie and Xander were genuinely shocked he didn't vote with them at Tribal, right? And then that entire other five is all people who are loyal to Deshaun, and they vote on the party line. You know, they they don't... Like, the episode is like, oh, will there be a turn? And, and the result is there's not right it's both sides do what deshaun wanted yeah. xander and evie were even uh misted by him like he just dominated this episode like just from all sides he is clearly uh he's clearly a master at the game of survivor yeah which uh works interestingly with the edit we're seeing but yeah we'll get to that and we'll also get more on Xander. Um, I thought one of the points would be just explaining the mechanics of the the Ua camps tribal use of the double vote. Because I, I know there's a lot of discussion when I was just watching live about like, oh, why did they even need to do that? Why couldn't Ricard just flip his vote? But yeah, there's a lot of interesting like contingencies there. And I, yeah. I, I assume it makes sense. I didn't look into it. I was just like, that probably makes sense. So 
It does. And it's actually extremely. So I was trying to wrap my brain around this as to why he did it. Initially, I left this being like, holy cow, Ricard is God tier survivor player. And I think I'm still pretty close to there. Um, the, the big thing that's important is getting a vote between Ricard and Shan on Heather. That's the most important part. Um, and this year. So they need to split their vote. The mm. extra vote was actually kind of unnecessary. It gives you like a little bit more insurance. Um, and but more on optics, because at the end of the day, you'd still require uh if Nasir idols. So like basically the reason for the split there is if um Erica and Heather vote Shan or Ricard instead of Nasir and Nasir idols, that would be a Shan or Ricard leaving. If they put a vote on Heather, where we they know Nasir is voting Heather. So they know if they put one there, there'll be two there, uh, and so it'll tie. So if they, you know, if they split up and Nasir idols, it will tie, uh, and they can either, if Nasir is immune, vote him out, or, or not immune, they can vote him out, or if not, then they can vote out Heather instead of Shan. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason for it. The extra vote is interesting because um, my read on the situation is Ricard was actually just trying to get the extra vote. I think that's what was happening because he says, no, I need it. Because he was actually right. The only way playing the extra vote makes sense is if the person not getting votes has it. So if they think it's more likely that Shan is going to get the votes of Erica and Heather, uh, it should be whichever one does is less likely to get votes should have the extra vote because then they can play it in the revote um, and, and basically 100% make sure Heather would leave there instead of hoping mm-hmm. this year's got your back, you know? So there's a little bit of weirdness, um, but my read is that he played this perfectly. Um, and if they had vote masterclass play, that ensures no matter what Nasir or Heather uh, leave the game. Yeah. And when you're two people in a group of five uh, and you've guaranteed insurance without using an idol, that's really, really wicked smart. Mm-hmm. Hopefully yeah. that made sense. I'm yeah. sure that's been covered to death elsewhere, but um, like it, yeah. huge credit. <laughs> like I said, it was something, I think at first you're like, but why? And then you have to think of all of the possibilities, which Shannon Ricard, maybe not the best at doing it together, but they can definitely do it separately and then come to a decision. Um, and they definitely did that with this. So yeah, very and interesting. And it was like fun to watch, right? Like I liked that kind of push and pull. Mm-hmm. Um, loved Ricard this episode like I thought that that scene was one of those ones that's just like you're gonna remember it you know what I mean like when you look back at this season like I feel like so many memories fade but scenes like that stick um and you're like oh yeah like Ricard was awesome and I'm glad that they gave him his credit because I feel like they've been pumping the gas or or the the brake pedal on Ricard a little bit to Mm -hmm. direct credit elsewhere and i'm glad that they gave him his due that like yeah he is playing masterfully as well um and he uh, doesn't have the luxury of deshaun to have all these different alliance funnels coming to him like i actually to me it's like deshaun ricard and shan are three um like a triangle of survivor skill and they're just in different positions right deshaun enters the merge with a six person tribe the minority coming to work with him and be super hype about it uh whereas 
Ricard and Shan have to make their own fate. They have to pull a rabbit out of their hat to be in contention at all. Um, and they're doing a really good job in integrating well. So um, I think all three of them are just masterful, fantastic players. And honestly, this is my hot take, Joe. I think all three of those, bar Tommy, the best new players we've seen in a good chunk of time. Like, I think they, all three of them are at the very least in the top 10 of the last 10 seasons or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, something I have to dwell on more, but I think I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, I'm sure there's like some, I don't know, some random examples, but like, I think that they're better than most of the recent Survivor winners, each of them, honestly. Um, but again, other than Tommy, who I, I'm very high on as a, as a player. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing that uh, a listener asked us to talk about is the idea that's been percolating in the Edgic Reddit uh, about what complex tribe theory means with three tribes. Um, and... There's this notion going around, I think, that complex tribe theory is meant to eliminate the non-complex tribe. <sighs> Joe, I think that's being a little too cute with this idea. Um, it's odd. Like, I think you could instead argue that with three tribes, it's harder to determine exactly who the complex tribe is. I think that's a significantly more uh, cogent theory than it's it's meant to eliminate one person because, again, it's not a plan by the editors. It's They want to show the winner in their natural habitat, basically. That's, that's where complex tribe theory comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to show, hey, these are the parameters that the, the winner was dealing with so that they can explain it at the end. That's it, really. Um, and so, to me, like I think if you pull some of these three tribe seasons, so... Something like, uh, you know, Kagiyan. To me, the the Braun tribe. It, like, if if I remember at the time, um, Sarah and Tony, I believe, had more content than or more confessionals than like the rest of the cast by like episode four combined or something. Like, like they were the complex tribe. Braun was very complex. Brain was a mess. Mm-hmm. Beauty was ignored. Right. Um, I don't think that's ever in any world a story of how one gets eliminated. To me, it's it's very clear. Braun was top dog there um any thoughts there i'm hmm i sort of i'm reviewing other seasons because i think i think i maybe buy into this more where it's not maybe in a three tribe season it's not complex tribe theory but like simple tribe theory like one of them is maybe a bit under edited and you know not to focus your attention there so obviously here it's luvu and then you have like the beauty tribe in kageon um and i think part of why it shapes up more this way is just because you can have a tribe that self-destructs like the brains in Kageon or you can have Matt Singh which is just going down to two members um it sort of helps to divert the attention um to encapsulate both of these or whatever interesting is going on um and I mean a simple tribe theory or like not paying attention to one still applies to tribes with or seasons with two tribes um I guess looking through the seasons here real quick it does fall apart like i i don't know which tribe is the simple tribe in kaurang <laughs> i mean the simple tribe in kaurang would be like i mean to me kaurang is beauty is so obviously complex like mm-hmm. they get like michelle gets an entire scene talking about how her not doing well in a reward challenge is gonna dictate her survivor future like they made this tribe like the, the, that's where you get like caleb and ty like kissing and th- th- i'm talking about how that's a strategy and the beauty girls are gonna come back and 
it's so complex for a tribe that uh, I believe never never goes. Yeah, never goes and never has any real any lasting impact. None of their relationships matter. Most of them get clipped elsewhere completely. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so much development. To me, it's so clear that that's the, there is a clear complex tribe there in 32. Uh, blue collar to me is another three tribe. Um, what are you eliminating? White collar? Hmm. Would that be the simple tribe? Like I think I I think so. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work. This is a, a theory I've manifested in the past few minutes, and we're <laughs> quickly exploring why it doesn't work and why it may work. Um, same with oh, what season was I just looking at? Uh, you know where it does, yeah, you know where it does have value, right? Is it's um, the season where I think you could potentially potentially argue it, right, would be maybe you could make an argument for Kageon, right? You could say beauty was the simple tribe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think it's so clearly Braun in that season that whatever, but um, you could maybe make an argument there for 35. Healers is clearly not the complex tribe. Like, mm-hmm. and then there actually was a lot of debate online. I remember this big time. And it's one of the big reasons I, we, I wanted to start this show is I'm like, there's so much like wrong discussion on how Hustlers is complex. Like that was a wide, like, it was like a very popular view. Like I remember Devin as the winner was everywhere. You know, everybody was, Devin is definitely winning because uh, complex tribe and all that. And to me, it was always the heroes. Like that tribe was a little boring, but you got like this idea of a core four with Ben and Alan Ball. Uh, and I think the scene that summed up 35 the most was an episode, I think it's two. And this is again, a random season off the top of my head. So I apologize if it's episode three or something. Um, Chrissy has a scene where she goes to Ben and Alan and uh, whoever, Ashley, and is she has a Goldilocks scene, right? She's like, I'm looking for the perfect Alliance member, and I'm going to test all these people one by one. You literally get a breakdown of every single relationship in excruciating detail. It's actually a really fun scene um, where she's trying to find her perfect ally, and she picks Ben, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's the complex tribe. If there's ever a scene where somebody's going to every single person and laying out exactly their relationship with them, that's the complex tribe. And I, I think this is actually where I'm going to go with, with with my point. Joe, I think that in general, people online too often take the tribe that loses the most to be the complex tribe, no matter what, um, or, or loses a lot or whatever. Like the real issue is for complex tribe theory, everything that happens after the challenge does not matter. Um, that's like rule number one. Um, so you have to basically cut out um, all stuff that happens after an immunity challenge. And I think when you get there, like Hustlers was not complex because they just kept losing and they were the motivational tribe. Very similar to Malolo or Yasa here, right? Like they're the tribe that have a narrative hook. And I think sometimes that idea of like, you know, the David would be king in Goliath, David versus Goliath or whatever, right? I think mm-hmm. there is often a, a rootable tribe. And I think sometimes people take the rootable tribe to be the complex tribe. I actually don't think those are the same thing. Yeah. And that's where people, whatever I think people trip up, I think that's where they trip up. Is they're like, well, Malolo's the complex tribe because they're so likable and Malolo's the best tribe of all time and all that. And no, Navidi was complex. They were just less visible because they lost less, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that part is definitely one of the tricky things of 30, assessing the complex tribe. Because I think you had Haley, Joe, and Jen on... What color is that called? No color? Oh. <laughs> um, and I think they were so rootable that it confused people. 
Yeah, especially against the blue collars, which were, for the most part, not great people. Um, and so I think you're right. White collar is the sort of one that falls through. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I think often you see the tribe you're meant to root for in terms of no collar, uh, the tribe that is irrelevant, uh, white collar, and the tribe that actually is the complex tribe is blue collar, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Same with Triple H. It's the same breakdown there. It's the tribe that doesn't matter and healers. The tribe that you're meant to root for and cheer on and scrappy underdogs hustlers and the complex tribe, the heroes. Like, I think that's often where you see this manifest. So hopefully that's a decent discussion of that. Like, I think that the idea of the simple tribe is just doesn't actually match the, the facts. That said, all season, I've been kind of ringing the alarm bell that this is a season where it's clear. And that's, a, I, I, again, with the caveat that every season as a complex tribe theorist, it is frustrating when people say, maybe this is the one it doesn't matter when. Uh, like, I was looking at the stats today from a post by Lucas on uh, Unspoiled Edgic. It's got a 94% success rate. And the ones that are unsuccessful, like, are kind of debatable at the very least. Like, 27 uh, the, you know, the, the not returning tribe, the, the family member tribe is mm-hmm. the not, is some people consider that the complex tribe, but it's like, okay, well, that's the, they have to introduce so many people, you know, like, I don't know. It's not, it's not, uh, not like there's for those ones or, or like survivor, uh, nine, like Vanuatu where spoiler for a, a season from 20 years ago. Um, it's a story of how one person dismantles the tribe, you know? So obviously that bigger mm-hmm. tribe is going to be complex because they are the entirety of the end game, except for one. Yeah. Like, the, anytime it doesn't work, there's a specific reason why that makes a lot of sense in hindsight. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, this is just a weird season, too, because I think now I would I would lean towards the sort of one we thought was complex being the complex one. So, yeah. And, and now we have half of what would be, quote unquote, the simple tribe makes up half of the final eight. So, right. Um, and for what it's worth, I do want to mention. Uh, the other, so there's those three that are often debatable. The third is Guatemala, where Danny Boatwright is not on the complex tribe. Um, and Joe, I think we are getting a, a Danny Boatwright. That's my, I guess, end thought is why? Because so much of the season is about, um, them abandoning their tribes at the merge. Like that is a huge focus of story here. Um, so yeah, uh, I'd say as the person who is a diehard complex tribe theorist and has been told for years that it's wrong uh, or that this time it's different, uh, I actually do think this time it's different, but it's not in the way that, oh, they've decided to do it differently. I think it's uh, one tribe never lost and made up the majority, and then they didn't work, like, they worked together, but as, like, a giant conglomerate, not as a pagonging force. Hmm. I don't like, know. Something like, uh, <laughs> like, token chains. I, I always bring up the Exile Alliance or something like that. Like, those yeah are a better example i think of what we're seeing here like i think honestly the fact that all the tribes had a discussion on what it means to play survivor when you look different than everybody else is actually you know like liana says that um shan says that shan says that's why they're connected they both understand that at some point in their life they were the only person in a room that looked like them talked like them 
Um, Deshaun talks about that. Uh, Erica talks about that. That to me is so much more unifying than any of these any of these tribes, to be honest. And that's where I'm leaning my head more is that this is more expo- exploration on that idea having complexity, right? Uh, Shan and Deshaun want to work together so badly, and they can't quite get it to work out. Uh, Ricard and Shan are super close, uh, and they're kind of bouncing off each other, and they can't quite figure out why. Like all that stuff, I think, is way more complex than the 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 just the set tribes and i think that's because of the no swap i think that there's a lot of factors there i think the summit etc um but yeah that's that's my take joe yeah a lot to process there i i think this has been the season where complex tribe theory really has like risen in estimation among the edgic pop or community and so yeah. to have it clash with such a season that wants to resist it as far as we can tell it, it's tough and, and like, i also want to point out luvu ignored luvu not as uncomplex as the healer or as um I'm, like i'm trying to think of like white collar where it's just like they're rich that's it <laughs> like good like if you're a tyler what was last name frederickson mm-hmm. yeah stan or whatever you'd have nothing to to rip off the bone you know what i mean like you would have no no semblance of anything if you wanted to be a um trying to think like healers other than dr mike being a mess and him and joe fighting there's no other story on that tribe at all and uh, i guess cole, cole, and cole, and, cole and jessica yeah but the, it's you know them falling in love you know like okay mm-hmm. not exactly your in-depth complex like you'd have no strategy to pick off on right you could totally tell the story of lubu like they are i would say an order of magnitude more complex than most of these quote-unquote simple tribes we've discussed. They're more complex than the Brains tribe in Kageyan. Mm. They're more complex than uh, White Collar. They're more complex than the Healers. Um, we knew at various... Like, we talked about it before. Like, your your take on them. Each person kind of taking, uh, other than Deshaun, the spot as in danger one week, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's a way to kind of say complexity. Um, I don't think they're the complex tribe. I actually think that if the winner is from Luvu, it would not be, oh, we were wrong about the complex tribe. I think it's, there's weirdness going on, and, and that's something to factor in. I don't know. I would disagree that Luvu is more complex than those other tribes. Less visible, maybe. Oh, well, mm, that's know, the issue that's... with Luvu, is they got ignored. That's right. such a tricky balance, though. It is. Like, when they are so ignored and you're just picking at those scraps, are, like, those scraps enough to cover for these other tribes that had more time to it? And, like, and the other thing of it is just the different ways pre-merges go. How long you spend in this time or how long you spend in these tribes. Uh, what happens to that tribe? Is it a tribe that goes down to two? Is it a tribe that doesn't go? Like, that's why I'm more skeptical on complex tribe theory because so many things can happen that actually changed the like pace of the game like thinking to guatemala and looking at how that season panned out like danny was up against an alliance that sort of formed in a tribe swap i think yeah so like yeah that's not something you see in the original tribe or vacuum or whatever yeah um tyson like his story is sort of defined by like his significant other leaving and then gearing up from there and like post swap like he has a big so uh, that's why i i understand it's there and i know i want to look at the tribes that are having sort of consistent complex 
stories being told, but I definitely don't hang my coat on, oh, this tribe is complex, so I should completely narrow down. The other thing that's weird on this season is there was clearly a deliberate focus. We call this out episode two is just Yasa. Like, it's just Yasa. Episode Mm -hmm. three is incomprehensible nonsense. Like, episode four actually is a lot on Lubu, right? Like, do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell this story. Again, it's the simpling down that we were calling out earlier. That's actually the biggest threat to complex tribe theory is, uh, and why I was throwing up those red flags early is... Survivor has never done that. Survivor has never gone for that simple, hey, we're going to just show the tribe that loses and that's it, just so that everybody goes home happy and understands why it happened, okay? Cool, bye-bye. Like, like this is a season where Jeff Probst is talking at the camera, saying, uh, is this about tribe strength or loyalty? Um, that's the, that to me is the stuff that is going to be dismantling complex tribe theory more than, more than, uh, what you're saying. Cause to me, if anything, what you're saying with Tyson, that's actually an argument for complex tribe theory. It's just with a slightly different name. It's like the, the focus of the winner story is going to be mm-hmm. well-defined in that case is actually Rachel, right? That's her name, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, that's her story is actually the start of Tyson's winter story, right? Mm-hmm. You basically supplement those two. Boom. It makes a whole lot of sense. And that's why it's shown that way. Um, so if there's ever an inciting incident elsewhere, that's a fine thing to fine thing to show. Right. Um, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. So hopefully all that makes sense. And let's move on uh, <laughs> to. Yeah, that was very dense. <laughs> do the themes and stories. Uh mm. So obviously we have this idea of dangers, risk, probability. Um, this episode I think was very plot focused in general. So mm-hmm. I don't think we got a whole lot of story development. Yeah, I mean you could say this weighs into just playing your idol at the right time, like always a consideration. Like obviously Nasir did not, so yeah. all about that. But otherwise, yeah, I don't see too much in here. I'm kind of thinking about the whole story of there's this like idea of advantages and how the concentration of them has so much power mm-hmm. and like what it means to say we should get this person out before they use their idol when the people you're working with have an idol um like yeah that's a very poignant point by ricard to say like oh i can't say this is a valid reason for getting someone out when i'm working with someone who could also be taken out by that valid reason so yeah i don't know if that actually really fits here but i also don't think it fits in our other theme so (laughs) totally um, and I think there is, I mean, with, we, we flagged this idea of, you know, it comes down to a moment, uh, survivor's journey comes down to a moment of luck, uh, luck of a draw. And again, we see Liana and Xander together and I, we get a pretty funny confessional of, uh, Liana saying, why do I always get drawn with Xander? Like, give me some space, dude. I thought that was fun and add some layering, but yeah, I think this episode was just so, um, you know, focused, focused like they had a lot to cram in here. Um, I think that's probably why uh, we went on a long tangent about other seasons. There's not a whole lot to pick off here. Um, <laughs> I will say they did a really good job for an hour double yeah. boot. Like there's there was like post tribal fallout. There was pre tribal strategy, post tribal strategy. Like it worked out really well. Yeah, they did a good job. It's just not not great for themes. <laughs> not great for themes. I do think we we did see the introduction of a couple. So let's mm-hmm. move on to the next one here. Um, and this is our idea of authenticity, the idea of the balance between who you want to be, who you actually are. Um, and I mean, I think that we're starting to see this just like it's everywhere. Um, and a big part of this has been, we've been talking about, um, 
you know, Shan talking about being very smiley and being a good active listener and then being like ruthless on the beach. Um, I think in general, this theme being present throughout the season is the reason for my pitch of the Natalie White winner style um, edit. Um, and yeah, any any thoughts on this one, Joe? Yeah, it is interesting to see Shan sort of buck up against her own. Because in the beginning, we definitely were like, oh, Shan knows exactly what she's doing. But now she's she is sort of going against herself. And I am curious that that came later rather than earlier. I think that's better for her actually than worse but yeah it is interesting how we continue to get this idea of like oh shan is not actually active listening or doing a good job um yeah i definitely think it's still always present always here Um, and the summation of this theme i think and spoiler alert we're getting another jeff probstism this week making the list um a couple weeks ago he said Um, You know, I love the strategy in the game, but the most important thing is when someone's vulnerable and lets us watch. Obviously important. We've seen that. uh, We've seen multiple people break down and that be like a meaningful, powerful moment. In that moment, I think he was talking about Erica this week. And I'm not going to lie, when I... By the time uh, I got to the challenge, I was kind of of the opinion that Nasir was either going to win the challenge or be voted out. Like, just the way it was set up, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to look like I'm going to look like a buffoon on the podcast um, <laughs> by the time I got to the challenge and when he dropped. And then Jeff Probst, like an angel from the sky, uh, get, delivers one of the most out-of-place lines I've ever heard in Survivor, other than our luck of the draw and um, the one I just read there, uh, where he says, when you win Survivor, you look back on your journey and say, I earned every minute in this game. Even challenges I didn't win, I gave everything in the tank. I'm sorry, I've watched 40 seasons of Survivor. Jeff Rose has never celebrated not winning a challenge. Like, that is not a thing that happens, right? Like, it's not... um, People get to the end and are like, you know, I came third and tried my best in all these challenges. Like, you get people being like, I won this, I found this, I played that idol... Um, it's like a resume, right? The idea of a resume. These are the things I did. Not um, the, even challenges I didn't win, I gave everything in the tank. And he doesn't mm. say when you play Survivor. He says when you win Survivor. That's also very interesting because I think you would go back and find winners who maybe didn't frame it as throwing a challenge but they didn't they held themselves back to not be perceived as a threat like that's not a constant across every winner of survivor is that they always gave their all in challenges i feel right like Um, if you were to describe like i i think we have very few winners over our 40 season span that it would be like the little engine that could which is what he's saying here right like that Mm -hmm. a real winner is not the person who's the best but the person who keeps getting up and keeps trying their best little johnny that doesn't sum up like any winners yeah but maybe this one or maybe this one is just someone who doesn't win a lot of challenges and is still like they still deserve the win like i know but once again like survivor has continued to stray away from that where challenge immunity challenge runs don't mean anything like Mm -hmm. chrissy won so many of them and then still wasn't rewarded for it that's been a thing for many many seasons now yeah no like 100 percent, right like in the fact but the the difference right is the show never buys into that right the show Mm -hmm. treats winning as a thing 
uh, when Jeff Probst grabs Xander in a more organic moment. He's like, you've been dreaming of this your whole life, right? He's like, yeah, ever since it aired, I've been dreaming of this moment. It's like a celebratory, look at this great moment. The fact that it's undercut by Jeff Probst saying, you know, actually, it's more about when you don't win is so jarring and antithetical to everything Survivor pitches itself as. Especially, Joe, when we've been talking about how, and we should have mentioned this in the Dangers and Risk theme, the idea of this being a harder, physicality is more important than ever, it's the hardest Survivor game ever, Survivor's never been so Survivor. And then to say, you know, it doesn't really matter if you win a challenge, it's not about being physical, it's about trying your best, Mm -hmm. Um, made me so convinced of my like i think we're getting a bad winner like this is all stuff that is meant to fluff up somebody who tries their best they're the, i think we're getting a little engine that could winner and um i don't know who the best equivalent to that would be it's probably fabio but um yeah there's something weird going on there because normally they highlight greatness not trying hard maybe to make a square hole for the square peg i need to fit into it um is it like saying it doesn't matter how you actually do you just play as hard as you can and never give up yeah like sort of not a little engine that could but a bulldozer that definitely could um <clears throat> like looking at it that way Instead of, because I don't know, that's tricky. I definitely see these things where it is someone who never gives up and keeps going. And I feel like that's an underdog story, but on the alternative, it could just be the person who played the hardest. Right. And I mean, I 100% agree. And that's basically the summation of my my theory on this season. It's either that it's it's one of those two concepts, I think. Um, and to me, the fact that we, this is a season where we, we made fun of a couple weeks ago, the, the greatest comeback in Survivor history. Greatest team effort. Yeah, the greatest team effort. Sorry. And they lost. They didn't mm-hmm. win that challenge. Uh, we've, we've highlighted a lot of moments. And if you look at Survivor Twitter, every past contestant is like, Jeff Probst would never say that. He would have spit in my mouth and kicked me off the, the balance beam if I didn't win a challenge. Like, that's, like, there is a clear difference. Um, and it's it's jarring every time. And it's gotten kind of memed on. But, Joe, I think it's the theme of the season. I, I really do. I think we were, even me, I was, like, kind of making fun of it before. And I'm like, even though I had this idea. And even though I noticed it, the fact that it's, it's happened every week for, like, five weeks, he said something like that. Like, either Jeff Probst uh, has had a Grinch-style face turn or is there, there's something weird going on. But I agree. It could also just be playing your heart out, right? Um, mm-hmm. for, for sure. I think also it lines up against the people who wanted to throw the challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like there's a focus on not giving up. I mean, yes. that's in the next, that's the next thing, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully. Like, but yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah. Like Joe, to sum up what I like, we have our three themes here, right? Um, That we've said are like the themes of the season. Yeah. We have dangers, risk, and probability. And this idea that it's not supposed to be easy. Nothing ever is uh we have this idea of authenticity who you want to be versus who you actually are and then we have a third one of sacrifice determination practice being prepared um and never giving up right Mm -hmm. the sacrifices that need to be made what i would say this story is about is uh knowing what you're good at and what you're not uh and knowing when if you lose a challenge if you still gave it your all that's good enough and you're being your authentic self people will value the fact that you tried and uh were vulnerable and let them watch 
more than just your natural skills in the game. Uh, and things won't be easy because uh, maybe you're not the best person, uh, but Survivor's not meant to be easy. It's about, it's about making hard choices when it's necessary. It's about, um, you know, never giving up, being who you really are, trying your best, and uh, when the moment comes, to pick the right choice uh, and be, um, you know, have conviction in those choices. That, to me, is what this story is about. It's those three themes all mapped together yeah. of somebody that is trying their best. Maybe he's not the top of the pedestal, um, but is always trying their best and not giving up, even if they're not maybe matching pace with everybody else. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there's an overarching theme that this season, more than any other, is not about perfection. It's not about flawlessness. It is mm -hmm. about you doing your best, whether that means you are just constantly on the bottom and working your way up or you're on the top and it's not a pretty game but it's working um there's some sense of like you did your best and it was hard but it wasn't easy because nothing good ever is so mm -hmm. that's how you're winning this and that's the thing is like with what we're saying it manifests both ways it can yeah. either be uh to be i guess direct it could be the story of how shan warts and all deserves the win more than anybody else because even though she wasn't perfect she played harder than anybody else that we've seen in years uh she gave her all out there and never gave up had to make hard choices and that's just the game get over mm -hmm. it cry babies kind of thing or it could be how a plucky underdog isn't very good at the game and wins and uh just keeps trying their best you know with a smile on their face and they try to be better um and both manifest as summing up that theme um and that's why for me uh i have two people basically in strong contention and one of them's shan and one of them is not uh and shan's not number one so um <laughs> i think in interesting there um yeah, any other thoughts? Let, let's jump to the, like, the sacrifice. Any thoughts on there, or do you think we... Like, yeah, what are your thoughts there on the, like, sacrifice, all this sort of thing? Uh, not really for this episode. I want to go back to authenticity real quick. I think sure. we got another Heather moment, which, like, I don't know, because I guess it's at this tribal where she's maybe not being the most authentic and that she has to keep this poker face to get Nasir to play her idol. But pe other people were crying. And so just the idea of Heather wanting so badly to play the show she's watched for 20 years and how she's still proud of herself for trying her hardest. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually pretty touching. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was uh, dracanery, right? It was. It was trickery. But I, I, I think we're. I think we're meant to because in that moment, it's a question, right? We afterwards realize that's a poker face. But mm -hmm. I, th I think those were real feelings because her her name was out there. She was getting votes. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. And like it tied. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> um, like uh, all intents and purposes she did get the majority of the votes or however you however you cut that um 50 of the votes so um she actually got the majority of the votes if if there were not an extra vote right she got three votes <laughs> um yeah. so uh yeah um i think that's i think that's a great point and we've seen heather um basically be a motif and that's it for this idea right uh when she's terrible <laughs> in that reward challenge um, that's one when we see her, uh, this week, um, you know, be super worried. Um, Heather was on that team, I believe that had the biggest comeback in history or the, the best team effort in survivor yes. history. Um, so like, she's been like a walking talking motif for just that idea and basically nothing else. Um, mm -hmm. 
that to me makes her higher than a lot of people. Um, <laughs> she's not my number one. Don't worry uh, if I'm uh, scaring anybody. Um, she's she's not. She's I, I have her middle of the pack basically. But that's like shocking to be honest for somebody that's been on the show like twice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's, I, th- I think that's a good, um, good call out. Yeah. And yeah, other than the not giving up, like same thing with Heather, you know, this year says, Hey, don't give up mama. You never give up on the game. Uh, other than that, like, I mean, this was again, pretty plot heavy. It was, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's another, I guess, small point in Heather's bucket, right? Is, um, you have, uh, Heather saying like, ba- basically in that, in that moment, the way that scene's constructed, we know that Heather actually has the one up on Nasir. So Nasir's like, don't give up mama. We got it. Like you're, you're okay. Like, even though I'm voting you, you're still playing hard. Uh, and we actually know in that moment that heather has outplayed this year mm-hmm. you love to say that heather has played this year we have we have come a long way in this season but yeah strategic queen yeah <laughs> um and like yeah we'll, we'll get there um and then i actually introduced a new theme that honestly joe i'm i'm surprised we didn't have before because it is kind of everywhere right mm-hmm. uh is this idea of and i think this is the one that this episode was about this is what this you know episode uh nine who's who in the jungle uh if you were to put put it on a storyboard what is this episode about what's this saying about the game it's this question it's is survivor a personal game or a a team game and what's more valuable we see basically that debate happen right uh deshaun says that shan and heather's stubbornness is getting in the way of my million dollars it's very individualist it's very i'm gonna start playing my own game at the merge we saw liana say I'm tired of playing with my team. I'm going to play my own game. And she takes a villainous turn that way. Um, Shan uh, this week says, uh, and this is probably great for the Shan stands, uh, stands is, uh, she said, I'm going to listen more. I'm going to, I've realized that I tend to bulldoze and I'm going to listen more and make sure that people feel heard. Uh, and, it's an interesting discussion. We're seeing some people go more personal. We're seeing some people go more team. We're seeing more people be more listen. Uh, and then I think you also have this conglomerate of people who are clearly just viewing the game on a team basis. Mm-hmm. The the one example, I'm surprised you didn't bring it up, is when Shannon and Ricard are discussing the extra vote. And Ricard is like, of course, mad at Shan again. And it's like, Shan, you, you can't play this game as though you're the only one who's making decisions. And then Shan's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I believe that, though. I think everyone's doing that in their own way. And then the scene sort of ends and there's no definitive answer, which I love. I think that's such a interesting way to leave it. It's not, the show has not yet said there's a wrong answer. And honestly, it's probably a typical survivor story of maybe the answer is a combination of both. And it's about what you use at the right time so. yeah no because i actually love that idea right like because that's what it is it's a team is a collection of individuals opting to side with an alliance right like they've decided that this is mutually beneficial for all of them and therefore they will hold on to it it's not just a hive mind it's mm-hmm. it is a collection of individuals and i think you're right i think that's actually a major part of this story uh even way back to uh where you get um like even just the Ula journey, right? It's uh, basically Shan is uh, a flashback to the loyalist versus the strategist. Another mm-hmm. way to frame that is I'm going to go with a team versus I'm going to go with another individual that I can bounce ideas off of and has their own individual game process that I can interact with. And she doesn't pick the team. She picks, uh, and same with JD. Like it's 
over and over again, we're seeing a pick in general more towards an individual relationship more than mm. trying to become a part of a team or anything yeah. like that. It reminds me of the preseason when we highlighted Genie calling tribes teams and that was a big red flag for us mm-hmm. interesting how it's now so prevalent i don't think any thanks to genie other than she was on ua for a while but yeah no uh maybe she maybe she was uh just saying team the whole time and maybe that's why she was she wasn't on the show uh they couldn't get a like a confessional where she said tribe <laughs> um it's all about branding Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think this is key. Like it's everywhere, right? Like all the criticism of Shan for the most part has been she doesn't listen to what I want. Deshaun felt like he wasn't being heard. Deshaun is clearly a voice of we should all kind of agree with each other until now where now he is he he's uh leveled up to being more about him, himself mm-hmm. we saw that last week with the yasa group um obviously uh what they could have been this group of turtles climbing out instead it's like a battle royale uh squid game scenario where they're they're all fighting to live right like that's a big part of this story yeah yasa is a very interesting thing to frame frame this around because so many of them, even before last week, when they all apparently struck out on their own, had times where they were playing for themselves. Um, that's a lot of what Tiffany's story, I think, was about, was that, yeah, this whole, their alliances and everything forming around me, but I know what I'm doing for my game. So yeah. definitely important. It is a shame that we didn't highlight it earlier, because I think it's also something where you see it every season. It's just a facet of Survivor, but here it's definitely yeah. a bigger focus, a bigger story. Right. And that's the thing is like part of that part of our show is we don't want to be like the theme of the season is voting people out and competing <laughs> in immunity challenges like we never want to get to the point where it's or when you're comfortable you're gone or you, like these season or sorry series wide themes of survivor like the tribe is spoken when you're voted out is not a motif it's it's something jeff Probe says every time you know like stuff like that we try to make sure that it's about this season not about survivor at large Mm -hmm. and i think we were maybe penciling this one is too much series wide yeah but i think it actually is asking a specific question about this season uh again the topic of whether it's a series of individuals like i think it's really lovely that shan says i don't know if it is that way like that's Mm -hmm. actually a very um like it's quite an intellectual thought of well no i i think maybe everybody is making their own choice you know it's um and it's about pushing your own agenda deshaun even says why is nobody speaking up uh when shan goes over there and says let's vote heather or whatever like why is no like everybody comes to me afterwards and says they didn't want to do it why didn't they talk then um very interesting uh the idea of some people are willing to speak up and some are not Mm -hmm. so that's cool um the only other thing is i mean i kind of made my pitch there for the underdog winner before uh using all those themes uh the only thing i want to highlight to me it's so clear and i bet on the wrong horse at the merge i really did i thought this was going to be a story of tiffany versus liana and obviously tiffany's dead and liana is taking a backseat joe i feel like a level of sadness that i didn't catch this immediately even in the merge i mentioned our merge episode like the uh the fake merge the what you know the pre-merge i guess the (laughs) what what do you call that episode the merge part one merge part one episode uh we flag that erica and shan shan mentions like three times like where's erica uh what's erica like uh and we meant we mentioned that being a little weird for somebody who's never met them right um joe i think that this this merge is going to be about shan slash 
Shan versus Erica versus Deshaun, I think is is a way to put this. Is Mal like I feel like Shan said she wanted Erica out or didn't trust her or got the heebie-jeebies from her or something like that like eight times in this episode. It was like Shan could not get Erica's name out of her mouth. Even when she's talking about wanting Heather out, she specifically says it's to weaken Erica. Like it's not about getting Heather out. It's about weakening Erica. And then we see Erica not trust Shan so much. Um, I think that's where that story's going. I think it's about Shan versus Erica. Uh, and those are my top two winner threats, Joe. Hmm. Okay, they're also the top two for me. I will say that. Um, We've got a different order. But I think I've sort of put this, like, this final eight has allowed me to sort of be like, okay, how is the season going to go from here? And I think my finalists include both Shan and Erica. So I'm a little skeptical on it being like a Shan versus Erica season. Oh, yeah. I think. Well, I mean, like, you could, I think you could make an argument that, um, like, I don't know, Ghost Island is a kind of a uh, Wendell versus Laurel season, where it's the whole time Laurel's uh, content is, should I turn on him? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, yes, but she, you didn't. And that's how you lost the war. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think I see it more as Shan versus Deshaun then. Yeah. Like, and I know, yeah. Erica and Shan are very against each other here, but then Shan and Erica are voting together, really, in this episode. So that's weird. Um, but yeah, I think just going from here, I think it's pretty like dynamic, mer- like vote wise, like lots of mm. quote unquote trust clusters. Um, forming so i don't know i don't see it as much and that also is because we have shannon erica flip-flopped in the order so yeah yeah, like for me i wrestled a lot with where exactly to place this but and like realistically i'm i might think that shan has a better shot than erica like if i were to really pencil that out Mm -hmm. for me it's like i think we're getting like i i think that we're more likely to get the bad winner (laughs) and again not to the (laughs) you know the i hate saying that but you know what i mean like the the underdeveloped or come from behind robbed winner situation than shan winning shan specifically might have more win equity than erica um if i were to really like think about that but I have Erica higher because I think that that matters. I think having what I think the story is saying being top means more. It's probably realistically an amalgamation of Erica. I don't know. Um, the issue is we're running out of people who could be considered bad, right? Like, this is a very strong <laughs> cast. Uh, like, really, it's like Erica, Heather, Liana, Danny, to some degree, could maybe be considered this way. I don't think Danny has a shot in anything. Uh I think Liana, kind of, like if I were to say Eric and Liana is like a fusion hybrid, they'd probably be higher. So it's a little not elegant there, but for all intents and purposes, that's where I'm going. Um, with Erica number one, Shan number two. I just think it's so weird that Shan, your mega character, is being put so at odds with Erica, who is kind of irrelevant right like is clearly just voting with the majority um and has no acts in this race at all at this point right like it's clearly just along for the ride and i don't mean that too dismissively but like we we flagged at the merge that she just after realizing she was on the bottom and everything like that just voted with luvu again then she voted with luvu again now she's doing it again i don't think she's got any game really but she's being presented as a the second most strategically threatening i guess third most strategically threatening uh and that that matters yeah yeah i definitely get why you'd put her higher too because i think looking at how you're perceiving the stories like it makes more sense for erica to fit into those versus shan so yeah i definitely get it Uh, there's a big internal debate (laughs) 
Yeah, I just definitely, I think it's the other way. I think it's a case of Merge is trying to convince us who doesn't, that they don't win. And yeah, I think Shannon. No, that's actually an important thing to mention too, right? Is that is a classic survivor edgic trope is pre-merge tells you the winner and then Merge makes you doubt that. And if that's the path, yeah, Shannon, you know, stock booming. I don't know. That's something I definitely want to explore, but we've given a like lecture on uh, complex drive theory, but like I think sometimes that gets overused too. That like the merge convinces you who it's not. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into it here because I like how it's going. Um, but yeah, it is something I might look into more just to see how true that actually is. But I will say Shan versus Erica does feel a little Tommy versus Dean. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. And um, yeah, I guess the question is who's who? Uh, I mean, I think Tommy would probably very clearly be Shan. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting thing. It, to me, it's just the fact that they... I mean, they both say each other's name uh, for two people that I, we've like barely seen them talk. They talk about each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, awesome. So let's jump here into the Via Cana tribe castaways. Let's start here with Danny, who <laughs> poor guy is gone. He's gone, Joe. <laughs> yeah, the I, a very curious story i think people on the subreddit started noting danny honestly has less of a story than heather at this point which Mm -hmm. who would have thought that could ever happen but it is just now the biggest curiosity i think i still really don't get what they're doing with heather yet but to have danny be playing so like he has not been targeted once this merge despite like being a physical threat i would think and that seems amazing and yet he's still getting sidelined we're not getting him like as the focus or strategic head of anything so yeah very much a curiosity and also i think he's outlasted our lifespan but we both thought like here he is in the final eight Uh in a really good spot still so i don't know yeah i Honestly, Joe, I think this is actually like I think for the same reasons we and a lot of uh, internet folk like actually really appreciate Danny is why he's gone. I think we're actually seeing this is our like I think all season we're like, hmm, did Heather do something wrong? I think Danny is being um, sidelined by the narrative team because I think they're upset that he was very uh, you know, very vocal about hating the twists. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing. And I think he was just so relevant to everything that happened that they couldn't hide him completely. Yeah, they you know couldn't I mean? do a great job of it. <laughs> yeah. he's like, you still like huge swings in both last week and this week happened from Danny going and talking to somebody, even Xander, right? He talks to Xander, learns about the, this is at the, the merge one, the actual merge. Uh, the Tiffany vote uh, with, oh no, sorry, no, it's the, it's the, um, the Sydney vote um, with the idol steal, right? Like it's Danny who leaks it to, uh, gets the info from Xander, who leaks it to Liana. Like he's mm-hmm. clearly the center of things there with like the, the information exchange of the, of the game. And we see that, right? We see that this week. He's the one who goes to Xander and is like, you know, it's, I think it's gotta be Evie. Like yeah. He, you have to show those. He's really only getting shown when he has to. It's just, he's an important character, an important freaking character that they can't sideline completely. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of don't give him confessionals. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's really a shame because I think he's a good character. He's like more critical to the story than even they're letting us know. And yeah, just, I don't know, because he's critical of something that I think he has every right to be critical about. They are maybe giving him less of a focus. So unfortunate, but when I'm considering the show, that puts you right at the bottom of my list for winner contenders because yeah. Yeah. It would yeah, be like, truly so, a statement if he won with yeah. this. Like, yeah, like what was the what was the yeah? So f- since the merge, uh, Danny has gone zero zero and one confessionals. Um, <laughs> like, but like this might be this might be wild, Joe. But I think we might be verging on like the most visible no confessional or like very few confessional person that we've seen. It, it, like, does that needle make sense that I'm trying to thread? Like Purple Kelly, it's not like she was out there giving monologues on the beach either, right? Like she was <laughs> yeah. also also invisible. Heather also doesn't speak in these episodes where she's not there. Danny, in every episode except two, for the most part, is there talking, being shown as an, a participant on the beach. He's, he's, he's a player, he's doing things, and he never co- speaks in confessional basically ever. Um, Except for in some specific moments. Yeah, I think if you were to take a Sporkle quiz, like, rank the people in order of confessional, you'd overestimate Danny by a ton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has, as of right now, uh, 16, which is more than Erica and Heather, but less than everybody else. Um, and Erica's <laughs> fast on his trail. Okay, I was like, how how do you feel reading that statement? But we'll get to Erica later, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the difference is that Danny has eight in episode one and oh, only has sure. two more than Erica. If you take after episode one, Danny has less than Heather. Wow. Um which is something. Uh, <laughs> so literally, if you take out that premiere where, again, he was picking up the water, went to the summit, those are like mandatory content, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole episode's about him. After that, he is just as invisible as Heather is something to factor in yep. and like considerably less than Erica. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so I think that take, that internet um, take of Danny has less of a story than uh, Heather is right. His story is I think they're trying to make fun of him. They're uh and it's it's so unfortunate, but it's he's the professional athlete who never wants to throw. Just kidding, here's him throwing. Oh, and now he's complaining about losing a challenge. Well, you were just trying to throw, Danny. Like, I think it's mean-spirited and like honestly, screw off with this stuff, Survivor. I I hate mm. this um yeah style yeah i much prefer it when you're honest and can understand why people might be mad yeah the situations you throw them in yeah because i mean that's the thing right is generally with like a winner you're looking for somebody that uh is consistent right they 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 don't have these massive spikes and uh valleys and that sort of thing and danny has a giant spike at the start and then he doesn't matter basically until they want to show him complaining um, mm-hmm. and he was right to complain. Your twist was bad, and you shouldn't punish people for being right, Survivor. <laughs> um, but I love Danny. Um, I hope I hope he wins, and they have to, you know, they, I don't know. It's not going to happen, but I hope they have to pay a million dollars to the guy that called out their show. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, where where do you think he's going to end up? To me, he, he's like, you, you mentioned that he's out, like, past his expiration date. Um, so I don't really know, honestly. He... 
He could leave next week, or he could he could be a losing finalist. I don't know. Oh, see, I feel like he's in the middle. He's like finale, not finalist. Yeah, I, I think that's like I, I guess what I'm saying is I just mean he's he has no story, so there's no end point. One thing that I think is interesting is uh, I saw a take on Unspoiled Edgek of people are getting these big episodes the week before they leave, mm-hmm. um, and so. And that actually is a pretty well-defined pattern here. Um, so maybe it's uh, maybe because he didn't get a big week that he, maybe he's fine next week or whatever. I don't know. But watch out, think, Heather. <laughs> watch out, Heather. Yeah, yeah, she had a huge spike. Or or Kurt. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's Danny and uh, yep. screw off editors. Um, <laughs> that brings us to Deshaun, who, like I said before, I think is I think he's Tommy. Like I. I I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. I think this is Tommy if he doesn't win. Where you see, like, they still have to show the the strings. They still have to show that Deshaun's the puppet master. They still have to show um, his skill. And it's, but even then, like, I feel like they're almost underplaying the level of control he has. Everybody loves this guy. Mm-hmm. But his story's about him being unhappy that people aren't listening to him enough. It's not about this delicate level of control. It's about how he's a little annoyed by them not fully listening to him. And that's where I'm pumping the brakes hard, like slamming them hard on Deshaun. Do not think he has a chance, really. All season, I've been like, mm, we're, like, what to do with him, right? But to me, it's clear he is the villain uh, that we are, like, the long-term villain. Like, almost like a Kellen style that doesn't ever really go negative. But we're meant to, like, slowly but surely be unenthused with his, 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 uh, what, what, what he's doing. His attitude, I guess. Yeah. I, I, we're just, we're climbing up my contenders list here. Deshaun's in seven, I think. Um, yeah, just, he doesn't we know we can see that he's such a good player and he's so socially close to everyone but that's like through context clues almost the show never stops to have someone else be like oh yeah Deshaun is a really good ally to me like no one is saying that really like not even Danny like you can assume Uh-oh. they're the two closest and it's just like Deshaun is clearly connected but to who you'd be hard pressed to say other um, than Chan yeah so- and the other thing there is like Danny and Deshaun, I would say, are a defined duo. That said, they had what one scene in episode one together. Yeah. And that's it. Like, other than that, and you see them together all the time and voting together, you'd have like, if you started watching this on episode six, other than them talking to each other a lot, you would have no idea what they feel about each other at all. And it's like your dominant duo of the season so far, it seems. Mm hmm. Uh, in this episode, he says he's never going to vote for Evie. He's decrying Shan and her leadership and then votes out Evie, like not turning any sort of tide. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just not a great edit towards the bottom. Honestly, thinking about like if they have to punish Danny for what he said, maybe Deshaun is worse than that because it makes less sense. Like if yeah. Danny has sort of this artificial handicap on his edit, I don't know. That might be better. That's than... like that's like a galaxy. You no, know, I think that's actually an interesting take. Right? Is it's like the uh, the galaxy brain meme. You know what I mean? Like Danny edit is in the in the pits. Right? It's absolutely nothing. But there's a reason for it because they hate him. So that mm-hmm. actually makes him more likely to win than the person who they like and is getting nothing. Like, that's that's an interesting uh, thought experiment. I think that the flip side would there would be like, if they hate a winner, they'll probably get over it, is my yeah, guess. because I Maybe. think Danny winning would also harm the show with this yes. edit. Like, people would not like that, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Reddit would love it. 
Um, <laughs> but they'd be like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe, unless, like, the only way that would happen is if they actually agree. And they're like, you know what? We screwed up. And we know that they do not <laughs> review anything that way. So, yeah. I I, I have Deshaun, um, I actually have him, uh, what, uh, sixth? Yeah, sixth. So, also near the bottom, not quite seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, again, super great. He's definitely making finale. Like, I feel like yeah. he's... I, th- I think we're right. Like our call of like sixth or fifth or something like that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or y- even fourth. Like I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think I could see him as a losing finalist. Like that seems wrong. Mm-hmm. But like maybe like I don't know. But not granted. I'm starting to wonder who is a losing finalist. Like I don't know. Is it, yeah. I, I feel like we're not getting the captivate like anyone who ha- is having those like fatal flaw things uh, other than other than Chan. But if I don't know, I could see some people who are getting built up to it. Okay. Or if it's not a flaw, it's like um, it's like just not good enough. I guess is the idea. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I mean, th- I think my issue is I'm like with my theory of like a. Uh, a robbery it's like really anyone could be a finalist um and so maybe maybe that is it maybe but i feel like deshaun isn't like if the story is a robbery i feel like generally the person who gets robbed is developed quite a bit i don't know if deshaun is developed enough like i think he would be good enough right. to be that person i don't know if the show's presented him as good enough to be that person it's also not really presenting him as a robber I think like does right. that make sense? Like it's not or robbed. Who... Like I don't think he could be the robber or the robbed. Yeah, definitely. Which makes for me him very low. It's just like I feel like we're uh I don't know. That's where I'm I'm going. Uh, but yeah, I mean Deshaun's story. It's I think it's kind of interesting. He has this giant group. He's basically the leader of Lulu. Um, he's saying he wants to flip on his new alliance, but then he doesn't. But now he's he's individualist Deshaun uh, maybe maybe this is the start of of the heel turn like maybe we, we do see him being a whole lot more backstabby and because he, he's got the power to do whatever he wants right like wherever he's going I think the season's going and to me I don't know if him and Shan are going to be on the same boat but maybe they are it's, it's so hard to know because they've been doing this push and pull with Shan and Ricard and Shan and Deshaun and like Deshaun and Liana and, and it's it's hard to keep keep track of exactly where that's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Really like him to be honest. Like I mean, he's a little boring in terms of how he's playing, but it's one of those borings like Tommy where it's like it's kind of hard to blame them for for that. And he yeah. should have been screwed here, right? Like this should have been not good for him. I guess when you have eight, out, both both sides, I guess, kind of benefited him. Um. Like both fives, but yeah, he was in the middle, so I think like he is a player for both of them. So this is actually a really good situation for him where yeah. everyone was sort of lobbying for his vote. Yeah, definitely not like the level of bad that like Tommy was in, right? Like Tommy had to pull a mat, like a rabbit out of his hat at this. Um, like, I think that was actually the example. Like that's the moment when I look back and I'm like, oh, Tommy's an all time great was when he should have been voted out in that, uh, this, this, this exact same twist. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's Deshaun. Um, so let's jump here into Erica. And I'm honestly like shook that this is what I'm thinking because she was my preseason winner pick. And then <laughs> I was like, uh, so off that wagon. Uh, and now she's my number one and I'm not loving it to be honest. Like it's not quite the perfect fit, but there's just nobody like, I'm sorry, but if like the other person that would fit what I'm saying is Heather 
and I would be very upset if Heather won. <laughs> I would, I, I just, I don't think I'm willing to seriously consider it. And so instead of going for Erica, who, um, like I said, with those videos of, um, you know, every, every scene that they're in, um, one thing I forgot, Erica's first confessional, she says she's an animal being let out of her cage. And then the rest of her story is how she's actually a lion and not a sheep or whatever. This animal thing has been there the whole time um, from her opening confessional, uh, which I had missed um up until this week hmm. so that's even there um i feel like she her premiere is actually a lot better uh in hindsight like if you go back and watch it i feel like it's a little bit better uh she does have that like patented first scene you know when they after the once they you know talking on the beach thing um she yeah. has all that stuff going for her there and then i think the big thing is she's being presented as shan's opposite so to me uh and then obviously we get i mean she does effectively come second in this challenge in the one where it's you know it's even when you try so hard even if you didn't win you know um all that stuff she's the one who gets the vulnerable uh, and let's us watch thing. Um, I don't know. To me, it's just everything like that. All the themes are pointing to Erica. Hmm. And again, I, I I hate to use these points, but Joe, she's a terrible confessionalist. She's really really bad. I I like her a lot when she's on the beach talking to people. She's not good in the diary room confessional situation. Uh, and so I totally get why they would sideline her ever so slightly. Definitely. I think one thing we didn't point out is that Deshaun's actually the one who came in second. And like, there's absolutely no way that applies to him. Um, that theme of coming in second, right. even though you try your hardest. But yeah, I think Erica is a, an interesting read, although it almost looks like she does just sort of give up on chicken and beef stew. Um, but yeah, still, to have the sentence read and then talk about it is important. Um, yeah, she's my second, but it's almost only because, like, the same thing of the way her merge sort of panned out and the way her story has gone, like, keeps her up there. And unlike Deshaun, she is the type you could see who robs the win from someone. Yeah. I think you're right. It's like there are two people who fit into that. And when they're Erica and Heather, like <laughs> there's a weird difference between them. Um, but, but yeah, I think the other five people who are more active players all have big edit flaws that make it so that their play doesn't really congrue with their edit. So I think Erica's the one, other than Shan, of course, who makes the most sense in terms of right. things lining up. That's the thing for me is so my like and this is I think how you don't miss people like Bob. Um even Wendell, like we had people I remember uh our first season we were very on the Wendell train for pretty early on and we had people at that time be like, well, Wendell would be the least visible male winner of all time. And that was a big discussion, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and our our response was always, okay, but he never he didn't start big. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they were like, hey, here's your main character and now he's gone forever. It was he was always there in the background at, at the very least. Like his his position was always clear that he was in a good spot, what he wanted, but he started quieter because he's a little bit of a quieter personality. And so if you're at a two visibility every week and then you dip to a one, that's a whole lot less bad. It's our it's our take all like our, our running meme, right? Is the well needed cooldown that in my opinion is usually actually the the well needed death sentence for your story. Uh <laughs> yeah. where if you're a main character and then you're not, you're not a main character. Or, or you're the main character who just they didn't care to check in on. Is it is so much less valuable uh 
the dips if you are less visible. Natalie White is never radically un less visible than any other time, right? Like she doesn't get that much content, but she is always referenced by Russell, whether it's being a dumb blonde, but maybe being a little bit smarter than mm-hmm. than she lets on. Um, she still gets these story check-ins every now and then, and she's still shown on the beach. She's still shown doing things. She's just not front and center all the time. Uh, it's not like those episodes were cooldowns for her. It's that the spikes in visibility matter less when you have a simple story. The story, telling the story of how the nice, sweet girl beats the evil villain man is not that hard to tell and is actually very, um, it, it's an easy one to tell if you just show her being nice and then a couple scenes throughout show her rising to the occasion, right? Spying on Galoo, um, right? Like that's a huge moment for Natalie, killing the rat. Uh, and then saying that she knows she can beat Russell. Those three things tell you everything you need to know about why Natalie won. And it's it's a sim- it's a simple premise. It's she's a little bit little bit smarter than Russell thinks. She's a little bit more proactive than Russell thinks. She can actually go and kill a rat. She isn't uh, a dumb, stupid blonde. She actually has some survival skills, uh, and you see a little bit of her personality there. And then also when she's spying on Galoo and praying with them, they like her. She's a sweet, lovable person. That's all you need to know about why Natalie won. Uh, and. That's a clear story from beginning, middle, end. Has a beginning, middle, end. Um, and a lot of it's told from Russell's perspective, but that's fine because it still tells the story of of, of Natalie. Um, similar to Bob, like, uh, a big thing is is um, Wyatt Sugar. It's She loves Bob, right? That's, that's a story in Gabon. She cares enough about Bob. There's something special about Bob that he gets brought. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And you're able to tell the story of how he's always taking care of the camp. He's the one who checks on the fire. There's all that stuff that isn't necessarily from his perspective. He's very un... And like low visibility there, but that's fine because he's not popping up as your main narrator and then vanishing. He's just a steady line of like, okay, he's there, and you know what his story is. That to me is Erica, and she's more... Like, one thing that I think people often forget is... If you look at this exact point for those people, like someone like Erica is so much more visible than either of those people were. And like way more, Bob was a little bit more visible in the premiere, I guess. But as of episode nine, he's he's less visible than Erica would be here. Uh, Even uh, Natalie's considerably less visible than an Erica would be here. Like that's something to factor in. And I think because modern survivors dominated by the, even Sarah is a good example. Premer, she's not there much, but when she is, it matters. And it's okay for her to dip into the background a little bit because when she is there, it's one it's huge but it's it's a very clear story i think erica does have that it's just i think i think people forget that stuff happens i you know like i think with all the dominating winners you get this Mm. this pattern and you you forget that sometimes sometimes the quiet girl does win yeah i think looking at it from like a numbers perspective i sort of revisited a edgic chart for Samoa, and natalie's visibility never really varies more than like one number until like the very end there's a like jump from one to three but yeah it's just this like gradual it's consistent and i think that's where 
we make fun of the well-needed cooldown because it's not that consistent. Like there's a spike and then it's a nice slope down. A lot of times it's like there's a spike and then it's nothing. It's like a roller coaster as compared to a gentle ride through like rolling hills. Yep. And so I think it's important to realize there's a sort of consistency in the story they'll be telling um, throughout the season. They they don't want these spikes. And I mean, just looking at charts throughout, there's not there's not spikes like that ever like a, a curious one is in game changers sarah is very quiet and then she spikes at the merge but even then she's like then visible from then on out um, yeah sarah literally narrates like entire episodes of game changers like i think people forget that she was like really only there every like couple episodes you know like she'd pop in say like uh, this time i'm a cop not a, or this time i'm a criminal not a cop i'm the silent assassin gonna cut down all your threats uh, and then she has a scene in a couple episodes later where she's like troyzan I'm going to dominate him and bring him and, and like, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to scare him and uh, get him on my side. Like you get that stuff, but until the merge, she's, she's not there. And then she narrates the rest of the merge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's one thing to, and especially just the way Erica's story has gone. It makes sense where like Luvu doesn't go to tribal council. She has this opportunity to sort of play in the background and then light and up she was getting voted out. And we know that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, at the very least, there is some, like, honestly, the, the thing that makes me not that high on her, like, to me, it's a 50-50, is that she is not wrestling with that enough that she was getting voted out. But maybe she doesn't know, Joe. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's weird that it could have happened just without her fully realizing it. And maybe she does hasn't realized it. So I think, for me, that's why I sort of see her as a losing finalist. Like, I think there's this idea still that she wants to be this lion, but I don't know if she'll ever actually get there. And then at the end, it's very easy to point out, be like, you would have gone. You were never in power here. Right. So, yeah, part of this makes me wonder if I'm one of those people in Ghost Island being like Laurel's winning. She has all these signs. There's the foreshadowing ready that she's gonna turn. <laughs> oh no, and... you turned into me. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, all her content's about how she's gonna all of a sudden become a lion and kill Wendell or kill Deshaun. Uh, and then it never happens, and then the story is actually how how she was actually all lamb the whole time. How she actually wasn't this big player in Laurel, right? Um, she wasn't the threat that she thought she was. <sighs> the difference there, and this is still a little bit early to be calling this, I guess, but I mean, what, we have two episodes left or something like that, so maybe not that early, is Laurel was a lot more... Like, I think people forget this again. Like, I think the type of content people sometimes forget what the numbers actually say laurel was stupid visible in ghost island like laurel for somebody that is i often use her as kind of a mockery of like my survivor nightmare of being of, of being just like inactive basically like a, a a lack of like just along for the ride knows what needs to happen doesn't do it and looks very foolish for not doing it um for that laurel was the main character of Ghost Island for a lot of it. And the narrative thrust of the second half of Ghost Island and why the second half of Ghost Island's terrible is it was they opted to go with the narrative of will Laurel flip or not was the defining narrative of the story. And and how, where will Laurel pick as kind of foreshadowing for the final vote? And that was a mistake, I think, because it wasn't captivating because she never turned. So it was mm -hmm. like, 
they're getting you all hyped for this turn that doesn't happen um and that's where i think ghost island fails but laurel was the main like was super visible at the end and erica isn't so i i don't think they're quite the same like this is still building whereas laurel was built by the mid merge it's just she hadn't made the choice yet you know yeah yeah i think there's definitely better better steps in place i would have to revisit it as as someone who was such a laurel stan in that first season we covered like i do see the similarities but i would say the person who's being like will they flip or not here is Deshaun and Erica it's at least showing that she's like biding her time and waiting like here she just was not in a situation at all that would have allowed her to flip and do it um I think she's waiting yeah. to find herself in that position. And we see her, like... We see her try. And, like, yeah. we actually see... Uh, like, that's that's actually a difference, too, right? Is we see her go, Nasir, are you willing to work with us? And I think she's being genuine there. I mm-hmm. think she would have rather Shan or Ricard leave. But realizes it's not actually possible. Like, we actually see the, the proof in the pudding a little bit. Yeah. Really a misplay on Nasir's part to not be like, yeah, I'll 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 do what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I, like, yeah. LVP <laughs> of the week is uh, if we could pick the person who left. <laughs> um, it would definitely be been this year in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I do want to point out another thing here. So uh, this kind of just occurred to me now is it's a little bit more okay to be less visible if your story is defined through someone else's lens. So um, Erica, if she won, I think that what you would see is a hype reel being Erica, who was so excited to play. Uh, changed your life in the year from pandemic because that's talked about in the first episode you know like she knew she was going to play last year and so she made these radical life changes you know to beforehand or whatever uh in that year um how she like hid as a as a lamb or whatever uh, and was actually a lion but more importantly how Danny and Deshaun and Luvu should have voted her out, right? That's her narrative thrust coming into the merge. She gets the one up on Luvu, even though it doesn't make sense because she votes with them after. Uh, but it's manipulated to show she pulls a fast one on them and is able to tra- change time and history forever by shattering the hourglass. Um, and then, so that's over, right? How they failed to throw to get her out is a story how she you know, Phoenix from the ashes or whatever. The issue is she doesn't turn into a firebird. She kind of goes back into the ashes. But now mm-hmm. we have Shan singularly focused on getting rid of Erica, right? We, like, like I mentioned, Erica is mentioned by Shan like eight times in this episode as being untrustworthy, being really smart, being smarter than she lets on, all that sort of thing. And Shan fails to get Erica out or weaken Erica. Um, I think we might be seeing a story of how multiple people wanted her out and were not able to do it. And that was the undoing. Like, that to me would be the story of how Erica robs somebody. Is some, I don't know, she's in the end against Danny or something like that. And then Nasir is on the jury being like, and you wanted to throw to get her out. And you told me that. And you couldn't do it. And that's why she's better than you. Something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I I definitely see that i do think bringing up the laurel idea has definitely been like oh and i mean the tricky thing she's like a laurel she's like a dean there are all these like losing finalists that she just fits in with the sort of wealth of over edited winners we've had it's just yeah that's the um, biggest fear for sure like mm -hmm. i've grown a lot in estimation of her longevity and the issue is like most of the time the natalie white edit is a losing fight right like (laughs) um like most of the time uh they're like there really functionally isn't that much different between natalie white and samoa and troy zan and game changers and wrestling with that is hard because 
you look like a fool, I think, if you're on finale night saying Troyzan's winning um, in that season, even though uh, theoretically you'd look really smart if you picked Natalie, even though the like the difference there is nothing, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's very small. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same with Laurel. Like, it would look so good if Laurel won. <laughs> um, I was asked, what do you think of... Erica, I don't know if it's Erica or Heather who said it, but one of them said they'd been close the entire game. And I mean, once again, we can assume, but we were never actually shown it. How does that? Wait, they've been, they've been what? Close, like in an alliance. Oh yeah, not great. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually remember at one point in the pre-merge, I think it's Erica as a confessional where she says she likes Heather. Um, but other than like it's not great at all um unless they're there together um you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's the end of the like <laughs> i don't know uh, not great is what i would say um <laughs> but it is a little good that she has a relationship um but yeah other than that i mean it's it's that's also something hanging over her head is it's a, this random relationship with heather that hasn't been explored yeah i mean yeah that's just Still, the thing with Luvu is that they did do, they developed Nasir and Sydney really, really well while they're on Luvu, and now they're gone. So we're left with these, the weirdest hanging threads of Luvu, and that's why I don't know. Yeah, like 100%. The worst part, oh, it's it's weird because in a way, the fact that Erica was on a tribe that never went to trial is kind of buoying her, right? Because it's like, okay, well, you can kind of see why someone who's not the greatest confessionalist, doesn't super pop, was on the bottom, and never mm. went to tribal, would be a little bit less visible. Like, yeah, at the same clearly... time, she was on a tribe where she was not developed at all, and neither were her relationships or anything. If anything, we saw erica and deshaun be close uh or erica think she's close to deshaun and then deshaun mm-hmm. rat her out so yeah and then her not notice too she's still voting with deshaun pretty loyally so mm-hmm. that's the weird part uh <laughs> so it's like I, I don't know mostly this is a thematic thing mm-hmm. for me and the fact that everybody else pretty much is is dead to me yeah. not uh dead to me but you know um drawing dead in my yes. eyes her line Erica did have that good line of like, if you guys are lying to me, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Erica is very much the top of like still drawing dead. Like if I think if Shan were to get blindsided, that's the first place I would look. Mm. But I'm not really looking there yet. Right. And I think we do generally kind of view that differently. Like I'm that's basically exactly what I'm thinking. It's like I'm starting to soften. Like I don't. I'd be like really shocked if Shan lost, and but we'll get. That. Like I'd be shocked if Shan lost in the end. But if she did, it would be against Erica. Uh, mm-hmm. If I, I'm, I'd, I'd be a little surprised if she leaves soon. But if she did, I would look at Erica. Like I, that's how I'm kind of factoring it in with like these if statements. And that's... there's enough of those that go to Erica that put her above. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's fair. Uh, cool, cool, cool. So let's jump to Heather Queen. Like a good episode for Heather. <laughs> like all yeah, around. if you're like a Heather truther, like you can start to see it. Like it's very simple, similar to what I said about Natalie, right? Like what mm-hmm. do, if Heather wins in a robbery? What do you need to know about her? She has a family, and she likes Survivor, and she's nice and tries hard, and that yeah. story is clear and evident. Like the show doesn't hate her. <laughs> like they show her positively. It's just undershown. Yeah, I don't know. Heather's third. <laughs> Let's just say it. Like, other than Shan, everyone, Shan and Erica, and then Heather, everyone else is below. It's just like, yeah, it is. This like, bizarre, if Erica like, wins, I could see a world where, you know, it's the Rob. I feel like if Heather wins, like, the jury's, like, who is around it, right? 
I don't know. I love her. I wish we had seen more. Um, like I said, a good episode. It's one of those episodes where it's either you're going home or it's a good episode for you. Yeah. And that was that for Heather, but like it really lifted her a lot for her, which is a little in the scheme of things. Right. Like that's the thing is I guess one issue with Heather is that nobody on this cast, other than like if it's Heather, Ricard, and Shan. I could see Heather winning. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'd be happy about that. I, actually, no. I know I would be very unhappy about that. I would be very, I would be very angry. I should, I should make my words clear. But you can see a world where that happens because Luvu is what six people on the jury. Like they, they pick who wins uh, in that situation. Why would they not vote for nice Heather who did nothing to them? You know what I mean? Like that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I just. I hate this idea, but I also have her. Um, I've been fighting between third and fourth, but I'm going to go with third because I think, honestly, I'm more mad about it than I am uncertain about it. And I think I have a duty to uh, call what I think is going to happen more than what I want to happen. Um, (laughs) And I think Heather winning is the third most likely. Uh, The issue is I don't think anybody's that hated enough to be on that level um unless unless it's shan um but then who's the other one like that's the that's where i'm like i can see shan getting robbed i could maybe see ricard getting robbed <laughs> maybe I, liana yeah i think liana's the other like some sort of combo of those ones or it could be could it be a heather danny deshaun and the, the everybody who got voted out by danny deshaun are mad and vote i don't know like the, the math there is not as elegant as samoa or something but then again did mick look like uh would be hated enough no they just said you were bland <laughs> yeah. right like, um and so could like a heather beat hated shan and a bland deshaun or something i don't know maybe mm-hmm. it was interesting there was a thread that came up that was like rank the remaining eight in order of like just like what we do like our contenders list and i don't know you see it's either people who just are like heather's eight duh like of course but then there are the people who like have her way up in the list and are like i don't know what's going on this season so maybe it's heather like that yeah. makes more sense than a lot of people so yeah it's better it's better to be like, I, I think that's my philosophy is it's a whole lot. And this, this is edict by subtraction, right? It's a whole lot better to be not have enough than to be actively disqualified. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's a weird thing to get to. And I do think like we've touched on this a lot that obviously this this hobby's growing. And with that, we're obviously going to get more younger folks who maybe haven't seen these older seasons. You know what I mean? Like. There's a good portion of people who are here and like the seasons we're referencing are Samoa. So that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabon also 10 years ago or like 12 years ago. Um, even Fabio, like those are the last times we had this style of complete freaking ghost comes out and wins. Right. Mm-hmm. And modern survivor has not had those. And so I think a good amount of people in who are really into edgic and stuff like that, are like I think honestly I think Ko Rong broke a lot of people's brains because Ko Rong was I think people have in their mind that Michelle like that Ko Rong is a why Aubrey lost season in the same way that Samoa is why Russell lost yeah and it's not it's not <laughs> Michelle is very visible in that season and is a main character she's just not the most popping on TV and people forgot she got all that content but she was there all the time. Natalie was not on the TV show. Like, you might have got to the finale and not been 100% sure what her name was. You might have still been mixing her up with Ashley, you know? 
Um, maybe not, like, probably not, but, like, it could have happened. You were never not going to know who Michelle was in Kalrang. I think that season broke a lot of modern edukers' brains, and I think made the hobby more popular. I think we're seeing it get more and more popular, and more people kind of use offhands, like, you know, sometimes we do as well, of like, oh, like, these YX lost seasons, like Samoa and Kalrang, and they're mm-hmm. not laid out similarly at all. Like, Samoa is, Russell gets 110 confessionals, and Natalie gets six, you know? Like, um, it's nothing like uh, Karang, where I think the confessional count is, like, Aubrey gets, like, 70, and Michelle gets, like, 60. Like, that's not anywhere anywhere the same. Yeah, I think also, sort of thinking of how the time has gone, what Karang has done is it's, like, raised the floor for what a quote-unquote under-edited winner under edited winner can be because if like michelle's your like example of that your recent example then it's like these people who have no edit who have like natalie bob fabio style edits are like too under edited but they too won at one time so there's precedent for survivor to go back to that potentially i mean maybe they did say michelle's the new sort of lowest low we can go um and i mean you have like chris underwood but like chris underwood's a like edge of extinction case like that's sort of out of there and i think that also harms it where you're like well yeah chris won but there were extenuating circumstances like no one could ever win like this in just a normal season so lots of yeah i think recent seasons have done a lot to really push people towards just big characters like you've seen that with the resurgence in after tiffany went like deshaun and xander went without i think taking a deeper look at like why they were disqualified in the first place 100 percent, yeah and just to uh give our discussion a little bit more weight here um Co wrong. Aubrey, so the most visible character of the season is Ty. The second most vi- with 74 confessionals. Uh, the next is Aubrey with 70. Third most visible character of the season is Michelle at 57. Mm-hmm. Only 13 less, right? Um, and like that's huge. Like it's not it's not a huge golf at all. It's they're very similar. Whereas if you then go to uh Samoa, Russell has 108 at the end of the season. And Natalie has 15. Mm-hmm. And four of those are in the last episode. Or um, even like Bob is the eighth most visible character. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalie is, I believe, one of the least visible characters on the entire season. Including like early boots. Like Eric has more confessionals than Natalie. Yeah, That is a genre of winner. Like we have multiple winners in that type. Uh, even if we go back to uh, Guatemala. Like Danny is considerably less visible than a Michelle or something like that, right? Um, and, and I think that's the thing is like maybe the floor has been raised, but maybe we just haven't got a winner like that. We've also had since Michelle a flurry of big alpha bros winning. Um, mm-hmm. and those guys don't get six confessionals at the end of the season. Like since you have the numbers up, check Wendell because I think Wendell is the best example of like someone who didn't have an overbearing edit, but you wouldn't say under edited really by any means. Uh, I do not have Wendell on this chart. Okay. Um, oh well, but uh. Uh, yeah, Wendell had, like, I, from what I remember, he, like, pre-merge, he was one of the least, least visible ever. I believe he is up there as one of the least visible male winners ever. Um, I wish I had the exact chart on me uh, for him. But, yeah, like, he's he's a good example where, uh, like, I don't think the floor... Wendell's probably less visible than Michelle. Would mm-hmm. be gun to my head, the read. Um, 
but yeah so um <laughs> that's heather anyway um <laughs> Yeah. So to reframe this a little bit on Heather, it's like at the end of the day, she's got basically the same story that Natalie White has. The only difference is Natalie White didn't have that very poignant confessional that we now know was like uh, deep dropped. Like it was uh, that confessional from like day 37 that was aired in episode four, um, where she's like, I think that Russell's going to. Uh, think that he can beat me, but in actuality, I will beat him in the end, and I'm going to use him again for that. And we now know with, like, you know, survivor wisdom that she didn't say that on day 12. She said that on day 36, and they put it on, on day 12 um, to give her more credibility. And Heather doesn't, to my knowledge, have anything like that other than these challenge moments. No, there's nothing in the story that sort of tells us Heather's strategy or how she got this far. <laughs> yeah, like I think you would you would buy Natalie White as a better player than Heather at this point, mm -hmm. and that, I mean, that doesn't matter. The biggest thing is that she's always being she is this figurehead for the motif of never giving up, mm -hmm. which. I mean, that's an important season, but a lot of times you see people who are the figureheads of a story aren't the winner. Mm -hmm. Like, people carry the torch for the story, but they are just using that to help another character, the winner, bounce off of that story. Right, and, like, another way to say never giving up could also be a growth edit, right? Like, mm -hmm. what happens if the growth edit is the person who's invisible? Yeah. It could look like Heather, right? Um, So that's, that's the thing. That's why she's third, but it's, like, a distant third. Like, it's to me, it's, like, 40-40 Erica Shan, like, 10 Heather, 10 everybody else. <laughs> but yeah that's heather uh let's jump to liana who that's who was fighting for my fourth place uh or third place because i guess I, I could see a world where they're doing something with liana you know like maybe it's mm -hmm. this, like, there's still the story like she's not giving up like she's still trying she's still trying to make big moves um she's almost like shan 2.0 the issue is that i think a liana win would be on the back of like a uh natalie anderson the other Natalie uh, style win, right? It would be Shan gets voted out, honestly, this week. And then Liana grabs that torch in his new Shan and learns from Shan's mistakes and all that kind of stuff. The issue is Shan's still in the game, um, basically. I think, hmm. so first off, this is a bad episode for Liana. I think, I don't know how bad it actually is. And it's just so focused around hating Xander, which is such a bad direction for Liana's edit to have taken. So I don't know. I kind of expected you not to also drop as much as I did on Liana. But yeah, she's very much down there and her edit doesn't make sense. So I have a few different, like, I think ways it can go. I don't really see her. I think she's a losing finalist regardless. That's my like big take. Like Liana's a finalist. She isn't winning. And I, for me, her like closest analog is Chelsea from One World where she's like positive and negative and just not not a very consistent edit. I know she's there but like and it makes sense to me as a losing finalist who her analog is. Then there's a part of me as we discussed Ghost Island with Erica being the Laurel. What if Liana and Shan are the Dominic and Wendell? And yeah. is this just a case where I mean maybe it pans out the same way. Maybe it flips the other way. Maybe Liana's million dollar mistake is that Xander is a juror and that and doesn't give her the like last vote she needs to avoid a tie like or yeah i mean i think we saw that with dominic right like basically it's uh it's who was he yelling at it was sebastian is I that right remember i think it was <laughs> it was dominic has a, a interaction with sebastian and that's presented sort of and then sebastian like uh, Wendell gives him the conch or whatever. He holds on to the shell, and like Sebastian's kind of pivoted as the key jury member there. I think that's mm -hmm. right. Um, 
and yells at him at very drunkenly at final tribal so like i could definitely see that or what if and i'm really not really i'm not super on board with this but what if it's uh somehow liana shannon xander and xander gives shan the win uh that's possible but yeah what's xander what's xander doing there not winning <laughs> that's also yeah that's I, I don't think xander could be a mm-hmm yeah, I don't think he could be a losing finalist. Yeah. But, you know, something cute like that, I think, would be a really, like, that would reconcile with Liana being so focused on Xander, right? I think that's actually a good um, good take. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a little bit, like, I'm not as on board with you with Liana being a losing finalist. I think she could be a story of, similar to what I said with Erica, with all these people who who should have voted her uh her, her out to sort of have the story pivoted? I think it's very clear she should have voted out Xander uh, in that voce vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's possible that like Xander still got an idol. Who he's I think gonna play it right. Who's that going to? I feel like that bullet's going for Liana's head. Um, and that could just be like this tragic story. Somebody that they really loved and believed in and was a credible threat. Uh, who made one bad move on day three. By the way, survivor, future Survivor players, make sure you make your big moves early, um, or else you'll get idled out by the person you didn't make the big move on uh, multiple rounds later. My guess is that they're the other, the majority is doing contingencies for that. I think that's what we see in the next time on next episode. And I think there are enough votes that aren't flying at Liana, like that she would be spared even if Xander tried to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, th- th- that's the thing. The, the biggest issue is that she's focused on Xander. Xander is clearly an underdog. Um, clearly, I, I, I mean, I guess you're right. Like, I mean, the issue now is, like, when you talk about the majority, Joe, you are literally describing every player in the game except for Xander. Like, and maybe Erica and Heather. <laughs> well, I mean, they're still voting in that conglomerate, you know? Like, I, I think you're right. I think the story of presenting it as the majority is more like Danny Deshaun liana ricard and shan right mm-hmm. but i mean eric and heather were still in those huddles and they still voted where they said they were going to and still you know what i mean like like they really are it, it's it's i think this might be the most successful seven person alliance of all time where they actually are the final seven um but that just leave xander who are they splitting on would they be splitting on erica or heather like i know i think they fracture before then because if, if Xander's unimmune or is immune. Where do they go? I think we see the alliance fracture here, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's seven of them. Uh, And I guess two on the bottom, but it's Eric and Heather. Are you really going to vote one of them out? I don't know. I don't know. I think it it works out nicely where like, yeah, they have Xander. They don't want to vote out Eric and Heather. So yeah, they just, and like if Shannon and Ricard are this big power group, like get Ricard out and then you'll have. I think, I honestly, like I, spoiler alert for next boot i feel like ricard is so dead next week (laughs) yeah it'll be a race to see who can speak first because yeah um (laughs) yeah but i I don't know the thing with liana is like there's a world where she wins the issue is like i feel like we've never seen the negative robbery you know what i mean like even little Natalie White, like, the audience was mad. The audience was very upset. But it was like, look at this nice girl who won. They weren't mad at Natalie. They were mad at, you know, the jury. Mm-hmm. It's like, Natalie was still sweet and nice and whatever. Um, and maybe people thought she was dumb or something like that. But they, they weren't, like, 
hate hateful of her. They were they were hateful of of the jury. Um, whereas like Liana is a little negative, I think, to to be a robber. You know, like, and that would be, I think, the world where she wins. I think they would just need to, like, if she's winning, it would need to be a completely new polished story. And we said this a couple weeks ago, like, she needs the act two. It's still not there. Her act two is that she hates Xander, and that's not good enough. That's a bad act two. Yeah, I wouldn't see it as a robbery, but, like, I think going into Tribal, it's possible that Liana and Shan are on, like, equal footing. Like, from Shan just, like, bulldozing so much. Mm -hmm. And Liana not having the best game but also not being the worst team player and then yeah i think that's a close vote yeah i I could totally see that because i mean i mean again no shade to wendell dominic was clearly the better player right like but he rubbed enough like it's weird because they got the same number of jury votes but dominic i think clearly played better in terms of just like the game but pissed off enough people that wendell was able to get five and then was sitting there with his alliance member right like um even if shan is a much better player than liana it's not like wendell was bad either wendell was like a seven i think dominic was like a nine and but a nine with rough edges that pushed the seven to be more like an eight and his nine to be more like an eight and then they're tied um and and that could be liana and shan because i think shan's better than liana but not by some like she's not lapping her by any means yeah yeah so, I mean, Liana's story, I think, is going to end up being one of, it's Icarus, right? It's, uh, or, no, Icarus is a bad example. Like, who's a good, they made one mistake, like, I don't know, it's like King Midas or something. I don't know, like, they, everything, they, 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 mm, uh, there's got to be a better example. But, you know, they, they made one mistake early on, and they've tried to cover it over and over again. And it's clear that that one mistake, that million-dollar mistake of keeping Xander, uh, whether it's at the end, whether it's what you're saying with the jury, or whether it's he's idles her out, or whether it's he pulls a fast one or something, that mistake has poisoned her ability to be a, a threat in this season. Poison this capable, lovely person, great player, uh, kind of like a Stephen Fishback, Joe situation. It's like, they're still good, but this one th- needle under their finger ha- prevents them from doing anything properly. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a better fictional example. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I feel like I dropped the ball there, but um, similar to how Liana dropped the ball and not voting out Xander. Um, so <laughs> let's jump to Ricard, who, Joe, I, 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 I like don't want to watch next week. Like, I feel like he is so toast. Um, that said, this episode was so good for him. Like, I've seen, like, a resurgence in people thinking Ricard can win, and I want to be you. Like, I want, (laughs) I want to be there with you, because I totally get it, right? Like, it's like, okay, here's a bringing back up of his personal content, uh, he gets, like, a hype montage of how good he's doing, uh, you know, there's all this, like, there's, like, cool music behind it, we get to see him do a cool plan that works. That is cool. Uh, a reemergence of him as being the defining strategist of the season. All that I totally get. It's just not enough. Like this, they yeah. this would have been his content the entire season if he was winning, and it's not. Yeah, I, you could see this episode coming earlier. The middle episodes are just so weak, and to come off last week with Papaya Gate into this, yeah, it just does not feel good. It feels very much buying into that, like, oh, you have a good episode and then you're gone idea. Um, um, yeah, yeah that's kinda... the thing. like that pattern is why I'm like to be clear that pattern is why I think he's mm-hmm. running in the deep end. Reminds me of Edge of Extinction, where you would have these 
threats come up and have their time in the sun before they go out the next episode. Yeah. Like War Dog to Ron to Aurora to... <laughs> yeah. No, for real. Um, yeah, because like we even got like military Aurora with the... Uh, that was her, right? With the, the military music playing and the drums and everything. So. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, next week, Gonzo. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a factor, right? Like sometimes I think they, there is clearly a pattern. Um, uh, David versus Goliath is an example on the opposite, right? Uh, we called out in David versus Goliath, uh, that many of the boots were leaving in quieter episodes. Like they were almost flipping. If you were a quieter character, you were getting a big boot episode. If you were a big character, you're getting a quiet boot episode. Those things they're going to think about, like, those will actually be like, oh, how are we going to tell the story of how do we keep shock alive is a factor for Survivor that they must consider, right? How do we keep these boots being surprising but earned is is the line that they are walking every single week. And with that, they're going to have some sort of philosophy of how they're going to deal with people leaving. Um, and building people up right before they leave is a way to do that. Um the other thing is like survivors generally pretty um has a lot of narrative integrity they want to tell the story of all these people this is a way to hey look he's really great at this uh here's the time give him this time in the sun uh it's kind of one of those things where uh you know people never give people flowers while they can still smell them but survivor doesn't have content after they're gone so they kind of give you flowers when you know you're on your deathbed you know like that's when you get the flowers versus uh afterwards um and uh yeah not not a high there for (laughs) that (laughs) said i mean clearly his story is that he's he's like a brilliant strategist i actually part of me wonders if maybe he eats an idol um like that that would be the best case for Liana losing finalist is if Ricard instead eats Xander's idol. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that happening very easily. Like the story could be next week Xander's on the ropes. Uh, and one Ricard's not shown in that four, right? He's clearly the fifth in that four. Yeah. And it, this week we see him build up as a threat. Xander could, it would be so easy to write the, the scene of it being Xander's like, you know what? Ricard's running this season. He's the threat. I need to make a move there. And people are okay throwing votes at Ricard. I think that that is a possibility we could see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A good episode for him, but not great in the long run. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very Christian getting, I'm a Goliath now. It's like, all the stuff that's been a question mark with Ricard is justified here. Uh, it's a beautiful, amazing scene. And it's the sign that he is no longer going to be with us, I think, going forward. I almost wondered if he would leave this week, but I think that would be too on the nose. It's like, you know, you have to give him his uh, his one last heist before before the demise. Yeah, I think it was like, I thought that with the scene and then saw how the the split happened. I was like, there's no way Ricard is the one leaving. So yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I think it'll be just like, they'll build him up as a threat strategically. And maybe Shan has to really debate whether to vote him out or not. That could, that could be it. Right. Like do it. Deshaun wants Ricard to go. Um, I need to listen more. I need to think more. Uh, and you know what? Me and Ricard have had this rocky relationship. He's like a brother to me, but I have to do it. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Ricard. Honestly, I think, He's my second favorite. Um, and yeah, very good character. Very funny on Twitter. <laughs> um, big fan. Um, and I'm, I'm sad that we probably won't get to talk about it much more. Um, so that brings us to Shan. Joe, you have Shan number one 
Let me know why. I have to, yeah, I'd have to after your explanation on Erica. Um, hmm, I don't know if it will be as in depth because I know Shan's one, it's very easy to see pre merge why we were picking her. But I think the just the biggest thing is explaining what's happening in this post merge. And I think part of that is you can use the guideline theory. Not law of Edric that says you are told who's winning in the pre-merge and the post-merge does everything to convince you otherwise. And I think we're seeing a lot of that here just with how negative Shanna's being perceived. But like I said last episode, it feels very reminiscent of Ben and that he was doing the same sort of stuff. I think the other thing is I feel in past seasons I've been detracted from winners because they have this sort of negativity. Like I think Tony veers to over the top and it always throws me off um I think Nick has had the same issue and I don't know I feel like you can see this one um without looking at that negativity or looking at what purpose it's serving because I think there is a compelling point for this to be shown and then it's brought up at Final Tribal being like you were this type of person and it wasn't great and then her counterpointing by saying yes but I was a good player, so. Right, like, no, that's a fantastic example. Survivor Kageon hinges, uh, in Tony's win, uh, specifically, hinges on a question that must be answered with Trish's jury speech, right? That is the narrative climax, effectively, of that season that coronates Tony as the winner, where it's a trick question. It's, uh, you swore on your dad's life. Is it worth it? And Tony says, yes. Um, That is the moment where Tony wins the game, effectively, right? We see him have power, we see him swing wildly, we see Mm -hmm. him come up with these lies, and the moment that grounds him happens very, very late. It's at Final Tribal, and that's where you can now justify all, like, like, I think every winner, if they're like that, they need a moment where they have a mea culpa on their actions to say why they're going to be different moving forward or why it was okay. Tony's is in that moment, right? Tony's is, uh, yes, it was worth it, worth lying about my, my dad and my, my trust there and my kids rocks and all that kind of stuff. Um, with Russell, he, he does not. Russell says, like, refuses to budge at Final Tribal. And I think that's the quantifiable narrative difference between those two. Um, ben is a great example as well, right? It's, um, Ben, you're bulldozing people, and you're right, my ears perked up, like, big time. They even use the word bulldoze. Yes. Uh, again and i was like oh that's a fun callback um and made me rise a little bit in shan again um and similar like i agree i think shan would be a winner that's in the same mold as a ben or tony kind of fused together um honestly a little bit closer to ben uh but with the strategy of uh of tony and, and like the difference there is uh like the only thing is that ben did have those moments like the coconut scene and the scene with Joe when, uh, you know, Joe's like, I'll, I'll yell at a, a military vet. I don't care. Like, he's just a player in the game. Why does he get to uh, have these loud reactions and I don't? Um, and, but it's all grounded in like, well, Ben, ha- it, it has PTSD, right? And that's a story in it. Like, Ben talks about being explosive and trying to be better and how his family grounds him and... That yeah, he had these moments like the bamboo exploding, uh, where he uh, you know uh, defecates himself, um, and it shakes him a lot, right? You have these moments of tenderness with Ben, uh, where he's he's apologizing for who he is, uh, or or like a flaw or whatever, but that that's what makes him able to get to these highs. 
and Shan has that, right? Um, yeah. Ben also at times was playing villain and hero. He kind of varied back and forth before a huge heroic run at the end, right? Like mid-merge, he's a little bit villainous and then it's back to positivity again. Shan was very positive in the pre-merge. Uh, mixed, you could say, but I think leaning positive and she's been very villainous since. Mm-hmm. I think all it takes is, like my biggest flaw for Shan is that the fun has gone away in the merge. She's no longer winking at the camera. She's no longer... Um, humming her song the only thing is like next week that could happen and if she has this giant cpp episode uh i could totally see her winning um and she's humming the song again and she's fun shan again that makes sense because you need to tell the story of how they get there like the rise fall back to hero right no one wants a super positive hero the whole time if that happens i see shan shan being viable uh and that would be the change back to being fun because i think that's the thing is ben tony they're fun characters for the most part um that whether and are alienating, but at the end of the day, you don't think they're mean-spirited or horrible. You, you think they're overbearing and don't realize how they come off sometimes. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're in a point where Shan is just very stressed and anguished about the game. And yeah, to revisit some of those points, which is hard to imagine, honestly, but if it does happen, it feels very good. If she even has just like a mixed episode where we at least touch on some of those points, I'd be much more certain about it because i think what we see when it doesn't turn back to that is maybe a dominic where it just descends into this negativity and paranoia and it sort of is used to show why that character doesn't win and brief touching back on that i mean the difference with dominic is we kind of point like this was our first season and i think we did a good job touching on it was it wasn't until like episode 12 that you even knew he was a dad (laughs) like Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes they'll use kids to ground the more erratic fathers, you know, Jeremy, Tony, um, Ben, right? Uh, and, and Dominic didn't even get to say he had a kid until the family visit. Um, whereas Shan does have personal content. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're hearing all these things about her bulldozing and how she's playing the game, but we got a lot of pre-merge content that sort of defines why she does those things and how she does those things. And so that's really helping to keep her alive right now. Um, I mean, another thing is she's just, she started out so high above everyone that it's still such a good edit above the others who have had these flaws and things come up. Um, I just think that's where we're headed. And I know some people also have difficulty with the archetype, whether that's like Shan being a woman or Shan being black, would they portray her this way? And I feel like maybe that's the bit of the new era we need to focus on is less worried about editing characters a certain way because of their demographics. And just Yeah, I'm definitely on that side like i really think that there's this ugly tinge of edgic that turns it more like what would they edit a black person like this or whatever and the hopefully one day uh they can edit like that you know they're not gonna like Mm -hmm. survivor has a sexism problem right like pretty cut and dry yeah Uh, woman winners are in general sometimes edited less but like we just said and um co wrong Aubrey and Michelle were two of the three most visible characters of the season. That's awesome. And Aubrey was not edited that much differently than Tony or Russell or or Ben. And actually their confessional counts are pretty similar. Um, so hope like I really I, I hate the well, she's a woman being shown prominently, so therefore she must not win. That mm-hmm. sucks. Like like uh uh Aubrey has more confessionals than 
Jeremy uh, has the same amount as Mike or uh, I guess obviously Aubrey is a losing finalist, but you know what I mean? Like she only has a couple less than Tony and Kageon. Um, like, it's not like, I don't know, like, I, I really think that I just don't like the, the tinge there that like, oh, it's a woman getting content, therefore we must disqualify them. Because mm. we don't want that to be the case. We want captivating characters who ha- go on a big journey to get a big story with it. Um, right. and not, I don't know, that kind of stuff I just feel like is a weird, ugly tinge sometimes. And if Shan doesn't win, I don't think it's because they because of that. Or if it is, that sucks. And I don't really want it to be part of my my uh, analysis. You know. Right. On the other hand, I do say I hope. I mean, if we all this all predicates on like, will Shan win with this? Because I mean, if she doesn't win, maybe things really haven't changed. I think if you look at some of the other characters on the season, like generally it does look better. It looks like it favors more just their story as opposed to archetype. I think mm-hmm. we, we might've looked at Heather's edit and been like, oh, there aren't any changes. <laughs> but I feel like that actually does deal more with Heather's place in the game as opposed to who she is demographically. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I hope this is a change and maybe it's faulty to, based on my edge speculation on that when it's not set in precedent, but I, I I feel if you're going to mark it as a new era, this better be the change you're making. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, if if Shan's a losing finalist, that would suck, I think, like, that way. But then again, like, the flip side, would, would, would people prefer she not get seen like i feel like no matter what when you're going down that route you're you're asking for a trap right because if shan is a losing finalist it's because she's too selfish or something like that um is the story gonna like i don't think the story should be oh she lost be you know if if she would have won they would have showed her less it is not like but then if she won and this amazing popping character only gets 40 confessionals or something like that also mm-hmm. sucks you know like, like i don't know just let, let's hope that they are actually willing to authentically tell a story um and if they're not like screw them um <laughs> I, I think that there's without that uh, you can factor in that Shanna is a brilliant, awesome player, uh, and they're giving her her due that way. Yes. Yeah, there's some foreshadowing that things aren't going to go her way. Um, like, with Ricard and Deshaun and Papaya Gate and all that kind of stuff. But maybe she comes out on top of those things, or maybe she doesn't. And I think those will define whether she wins or not. That foreshadowing piece, not um, not all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, For me, I really have no idea where Shan's placing. And I hate to give that cop-out answer, but like, I could see her leaving in like that patented Christian right before the finale spot. Or I could see her being a losing finalist. I could see her being the winner. Um, Be a little surprised on like, I mean, I don't know. Oh, like yeah really i mean i could see her in any of these spots including winner and that's an interesting um thing i guess i think i have trouble seeing her in the finale not finalist places but otherwise yeah uh yeah so any other thoughts on shan nope she's so great like mm-hmm. i really really appreciate shan and i honestly joe like she is in my top 10 favorite survivor players of all time Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really think she's one of the best people to ever play this game. I think her skill, and I think Ricard is in this conversation too. Like, I think if he did, I don't know, maybe top 25 to be safe. I think they are both, and maybe, let's go with maybe excluding winners, maybe, because there obviously are 40 winners. Um, like, I think they're two of the best players that we've ever seen in Survivor. I think especially Shan, uh, it's just the complete package. Um, I had a brutal hand 
has played every single card she's gotten extremely well, Has a went into the merge with a public idol, two people, tribe, made it to the end, dominated the votes, flipped back and forth in the pre-merge. Like, you know, she voted out Sarah, then she voted out Brad, then she voted out JD, then she voted out Jeannie. That's a very pa tough path. Went into the merge with a public idol, a strong alliance being shown as somebody who made it to the end of that tribe, and then dictated votes in the merge. Despite only being two, despite being two, she was able to dictate the votes there. Uh, that's mm -hmm. huge. Uh, un, like she is a force in this game, and she doesn't have a vote yet. Like amazing, yeah. amazing player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's jump to Xander. Uh, Joe, I'm like every week stunned, and maybe I'm missing something, but people are very high on Xander. Yeah, it's a big case of like he's getting great content right now but there were some early problems that i don't know um and yeah that's another thing where he was like maybe i need to use the idol on evie and in one of his confessionals and then to know the votes are headed that way and still not do it felt really wrong to me like i mean in terms of the edit versus like what he's doing i think and as we said earlier, that was a good move for him going forward. Like, he's playing this very long-term game that is working out good for him. It's just, as the edit goes, I don't think that spells the winner. When just his whole edit is based on these advantages, and then literally, yep. like, doesn't mention his double vote, and I don't know. I've, like, a weirdly captivating character, but not the right story. In yeah, I love story. Xander. I think he's really great. Uh, I have no idea. Like, I mean, I, I'm trying to get into the mind of a Xander truther. And I, I, what is the thought process complex? Like, I, it must just be you believe um, Yasa is complex and you're dying on that hill, I think. Like, and mm -hmm. that, that that's, you know, not, I mean, not necessarily that you're wrong or anything like that. But, like, you're, that's, a, that's something that means a lot. And that's where you're standing your ground, I guess, instead of dying on that hill. Um, which I, I can totally get. I feel like would be me in other seasons. I think the issue is like, why would they show to me? The biggest issue with Xander is that scene where Tiffany just like eviscerates him with the, like leaving the advantage in his bag. And then he lies about it. And then Tiffany's like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, like you're a toddler. Like that's the issue is we have that underpinning that one. Liana doesn't like him. Tiffany thinks he's like a baby. Um, there's a lot of mention, like, Jeff Probst even is like, you're like a kid. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you've been watching the show since you were a kid. I guess you still are a kid. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not a winner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we did have that, like, low-key theme at the start of, like, young people flipping the script. And then JD and Sarah leave in quick succession and are kind of laughed at, right? Um, I, just, I don't know how you reconcile Xander then winning when he's basically compared exactly like he's basically the the stand-in for JD here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of signs of like a big character who's fun to root for and important to the season, but not actually the the winner material isn't there. Um, and, and I mean, I think he made a giant mistake this week. Um, not not using that extra vote. Um, I guess if I was to play Xander's advocate, uh, I think you could see a world. You know how we talk a lot about how episode three is maybe one of the worst episodes of Survivor ever? Um, what if the only way to tell the story of how Xander wins is completely sabotage one hour of television to <laughs> just show all these advantages and what they matter for and stuff like that? I, I could kind of see that if you're, like, really trying to, like, bend backwards, but, I mean... 
honestly like i think at this point i'm so convinced it is a we're going for a new era uh i think we're getting oh i think we are getting a woman winner um xander does not match that at all uh <laughs> obviously um i think there's been a theme more on experience and being thoughtful uh and xander is much more impulsive and childlike and all those things are not good for him also i don't know i feel like how the heck does he get there is a a, a decent question to ask um and obviously is not quite edit but is like looking at the numbers uh but then even if he were to get there i could see a world where they're just like okay you you found advantages so what um i think there is that kind of tinge to this season as well um like well everyone's got them so like yours didn't matter like kind of kind of thing i don't think that's terribly likely i think it's much more likely he leaves in two maybe at sixth place in the finale or whatever like i think he's gonna make the finale i think and die there just Mm -hmm. and so that means i think we're gonna have xander probably topping the charts probably until the finale you know what i mean like until the last time it matters i think we're gonna have a huge swath of xander support um but eh, yeah i thought you meant like he'd just be so visible until the end oh i think that too yeah yeah i think he's captivating his heck like he's really fun and he's he's got a good mind for the game and everything like that Mm -hmm. i know initially i was in sort of the post right after the episode aired i was like i mean xander's a lot more likely than other people but now i kind of cooled on him like once again it's just i have xander second last so Mm -hmm. i know early on you mentioned you have uh danny last to sean seventh i have danny last xander second last uh and then to sean yeah so we swapped them but yeah it's the same sort of thing where the content doesn't add up especially bringing up like he's getting these like childlike things but i assume his gameplay is very like he's thought reasonably like he had that thought about the prisoner's dilemma he's played his like advantages very wisely i think that he Mm -hmm. still has both of them going into the final eight so yeah the edit wants to tell a different story than xander's actually and the other issue i mean he vanishes when he he's not relevant right like uh we don't even know why liana hates him you know what i mean like (laughs) i feel like we would probably get i don't don't, something that makes him look okay there or versus like now we're left to be like is she right (laughs) like is there something awful about him I guess maybe if maybe the flip side to that argument would be if he's actually like a dick, like he's actually like horrible and they're covering for that by showing that Liana doesn't like him and they have to show that f- for story reasons and they're hiding why he's a dick because he wins. Like maybe it's a Tommy situation with the, um, you know, keeping him out of the um, the Janet thing. Um, but and, I mean, that's like grasping for straws. Like he just vanishes and everything's about advantages and uh, he has like child qualities and he's also on the bottom and in a very bad spot like there's way too many red flags there for me to consider uh he doesn't really have a story like his yeah. story's that he's on the bottom and has advantages and that's and it's not a very like not even a strong underdog story like the thing i look at with his edit too is it's very toneless like yeah we're not getting the stuff that would validate liana hating him but we're also not getting like this rootable great character who's really set up for an underdog story like he's just kind of there he's a competent player but not much more than that like don't have a ton of personal content almost like, none yeah like we you can interpret from his weird debugging confessional that he's a coder mm-hmm. and uh, other than that I mean, I guess we know he, what, we know he played sports. He, he played track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we know that. But other than that, that's, that's it. 
granted, I mean, I think this is a trap sometimes. Is like sometimes young people win the show and they don't have kids, you know, uh, to talk about. <laughs> Or, or wives or whatever to talk about. Um, mm. But even Wendell, like, they talked about his girlfriend. Uh, like, that that scene, like, they did a birthday for uh, a girlfriend who they'd already broken up. Yeah. Like, they'll find something if they have to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that that's Xander. Um, and let's jump here to our fallen heroes. Rip Nasir! I'm so sad. Um, I really love him. I'm glad that this was just a story that they really liked him and wanted to give him a good good uh good story yeah we thought we were on to something but no it was just like yeah a nice story um i think in a way kind of like it's a, like a reward for the way he was voted out of the game like because i don't think he would have gone otherwise yeah um and then yeah they they just showed him for the good character he was i guess so the only thing i do like i feel like maybe they should have shown more funny like i feel like in general they gave him more strategy content than i would have liked and less fun character moments like we did get those fun character moments don't get me wrong but i feel like if you just replace all those with like fun goofiness here moments you might get a better tv show but i'm not sure yeah if that strategy wasn't serving to sort of bolster his eventual win like or even like a threat long term mm-hmm. like yeah replace that with other stuff but yeah i don't know other than like i mean the series of voice for like being a provider and stuff like that and i think at this point it's clear maybe the provider doesn't win he's really the only one who fits that mold so <laughs> yeah. um uh, other than that 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 kind of motif dies with him but maybe he'll be a voice for that at the, at the end as a juror or something like that mm-hmm. Definitely. uh seems like he i mean he did the cardinal send to telling people who's going home right like that's wild <laughs> well, well, I mean, Heather herself was like, Shannon was like, I don't want this to flip on me. And she was like, it might. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, she was boosting, boosting her Susie cred there. But then, I don't know, that theory got flipped on its head. That's true. That is true. Uh, mm-hmm. And other than that, I mean... Uh, King this year, love him. Um, I'd be I'd be happy to see him play again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and let's jump to Evie. Uh, I'm a little sad about Evie because la- like I feel like we did such a good job all season, never really seriously considering Evie. And then last <laughs> week, I think we were both like, "Well, if it's not these options, maybe it's her." And uh, we were wrong. Uh, instead, they were exactly what we called. They were exactly Josh Canfield, like um, big threat that is meant to be a distraction and it's a little sad that for like one week we kind of we kind of got danced around it yeah we got (laughs) kind of distracted the week before which is a little sad but overall i think we did a good job of covering every story and even last week i don't think we were like oh evie is definitely going far it was like Mm -hmm. okay maybe they're able to get out of this pickle and they didn't and honestly they got i think they got twist fucked um i don't know if evie leaves if not for this twist. I think maybe the majority breaks in a different way. Like, I think maybe Deshano had been more willing to go after a Shan or a Ricard or an Erica or something than the people that he was there with. Like, yeah. he was not turning on Danny. He was not turning on Liana. Like, yeah, those are two sure. people who he has tight. Mm-hmm. It was a bad draw of people and Xander being immune. Like, Evie got kind of screwed, to be honest. Like, even though they were on the bottom and didn't have a lot of agency, this, like, ex- and this is what we always say, right? Like, these twists accelerate uh the like it, it keeps people playing safe and it 
yeah, in this case, it it, it just kind of accelerated Evie's shelf life. Yeah, which you can't like forecast if it's just gonna if you want to sort of speed up a pagonging. But yeah, in this case, it took like the one maybe like oh, it's five versus five, maybe like maybe we'll do something, and then instead it just sort of like killed that. Which I get like you can't twist your game and for better results, but yeah, it was a bad timing for it because now it seems very. I mean, I don't know. Like there's gonna be some hedging for the event of an idol or something, but otherwise. <laughs> right, yeah, I know for sure. Um, and I mean, I thought Evie was great in this episode. Like, um, if you were going to be an Evie truther at like, you know, 827 uh, on on Wednesday night, I could totally see it. Uh, with Evie, like, giving that awesome confessional about chaos is great for the underdogs, which is, mm-hmm. such the, yes, absolutely, that's what you want. If you're on the bottom, you want more, more, uh, like, the bases uh, foundations crumbling and that sort of thing being on edge and that sort of thing so super good that way but other than that i think for the most part we were right we tracked every story they were the person that the editors loved wanted to give more content to and just wasn't that relevant in the grand scheme of things but would get all the content that nobody else would yeah a good place to put some content i don't know you were guaranteed that they were going to give good charismatic um narration or thoughts on whatever so worked out well for sure um so some predictions here uh or i guess just little award ceremony first mvp (laughs) who do you think it was this week joe Ricard? Yeah, I'm going with Ricard as well. Um, maybe Shan for like not getting the vote, but yeah, it's, it's Shan or Ricard for sure. Uh, yeah. Honestly, Heather, Heather's poker face. Amazing. Heather's poker face. Yeah. Um, can't can't read her. Can't read her poker face. But um, I don't really think anyone on the other side like did a great. Oh, no, I feel like it was. <laughs> set up you know what i mean it was yeah it was uh let's go lvp i mean it's it's gotta be uh xander not using that extra vote no i think liana i think liana just jeopardized her position more yeah i, th- I think liana is also a good vote like honestly it's kind of it's like how did you not think of the perfect optimal play xander like is a little harsh but i'm giving it to him anyway <laughs> Um, honest, honestly, my second. So if we're going to do honorable mention, I'm going to go with Heather for saying it might flip on you, Sham. That's true. That's fair. I think that guaranteed her getting a vote. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for sure. Yeah. So next boot, I think we're a little bit in agreement. Please not yeah. record. Pray for Ricard. If not Ricard, I think it could just be Xander. But Xander would definitely use his idol here. Yeah, there's no way it's Xander. (laughs) That's the thing. Um, Maybe like a Erica or Heather boot. Like they want to sow a bunch of chaos and that's just one of those two. I think for me, give me... So Xander's going to be safe. The the question is, he's either going to be safe from immunity or from idol um mm-hmm. either way i think you can write him off uh so then the question becomes it's either who the majority fractures on first which i think is gonna be erica heather ricard or liana it's gonna be one of those three or four or whatever um or if xander is unimmune it's gonna be whoever he's idling out or who they they split on and so i i'm gonna say danny or ricard depending <laughs> on those two scenarios danny or liana getting idled out and then ricard just getting the the vote Mm-hmm. um yeah and we've, we've described our winners um i'll go through my entire order uh in eighth place we got danny and seventh place we got xander and sixth place we have deshaun in fifth place we have ricard uh in fourth place we have liana in third place we have heather so whole lot of people fail in the heather test 
And the second place we have Shan. In first place, we have our girl, Erica. Our lists are like actually similar. I think there's just two places where they're flipped. So Danny is in last, followed by Deshaun and then Xander. That's one of them. And I also have Ricard in fifth, Liana in fourth, Heather in third. Um, but then at the very top, I have Shan as my only contender on my chart. The only one I feel confident enough yeah. here. And then Erica in second. Yeah, for so, me, mine, I have Erica and Heather on my chart. And that is it. Erica yeah. and Shan. <laughs> Erica oh. and Shan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Erica and Shan are the only ones on my list. And other than that, uh, yeah, like Heather, I have technically eliminated. She's just the, the least dead of the, of the yeah. zombies. Um, so yeah, that's our show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, if you have any, any thoughts we post on, uh, on Reddit, on our edgic, or, uh, send us an email to the winner edit at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Always love seeing the discussion on our posts. Like I always, I read all of those. They're great. Um, so yeah, uh, have enjoy edgic. <laughs> <laughs> We will see you next time. And if you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be cared. Our girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed